Hello everybody and welcome back to the next episode of the What Topic podcast with your hosts Josh Deakin at Mr. Josh Deakin and your co-host Owen Burkett at Owen.Burkett and today we are joined by a very special guest John Willis at JRE Willis. Hi guys. Well, it feels weird saying that doesn't it after months? It's It has been a while since I introduced myself on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just like riding a bicycle. It's like oh yeah this is how it works. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> definitely. And we, did, we did a fair few episodes you know um, on the Get The Shot podcast which I'm sure Josh has probably mentioned mm. um, to you Owen particularly but um, I mean it's, it's just one of those things isn't it where it's nice to get together with fellow creatives and people that uh, enjoy similar interests uh, yeah definitely i mean that's what we're trying to encourage people on our podcast like get more creatives on there and to get to talk about what they're very passionate about and just make it more positive like whilst we're in a bit of a shit show of a year so yeah definitely well yeah, yeah. definitely I, I did a quick i did actually do uh on my instagram story just a, an hour ago like i could look back at all the work i've ever done like portrait wise and like i was going through like 2018 2019 then 2020 and, it, and 2020 kind of went a bit weird because I had to go and I go, I mm. met this person in 2020. <laughs> on the flip yeah. side though, not to like go on to like a chat about 2020, but I honestly think that like my work completely like took another level up last year, given that we had so much challenge in our way. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. I mean, having known you for a, a, you know, a number of years now, Josh, um, mm. like your, your work in photography definitely has, has changed over the last 12, 18 months. Um, and I think the move that you made to a different technology with mirrorless has definitely helped because you can, mm. it's helped you hone your craft a bit more because you can see, for example, like the changes that you're making in your settings, you're visually seeing that and it's helped you, I suppose, see the, the, the skill that you're using. So it's like, it's allowing you to learn quicker, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I find that now photos are a lot more, like they pop, they're a lot more sharper. Like I have less discrepancies when it comes to the editing process before you've even started anything on that mm. basis mm. but yeah i'll say we'll obviously dive more into that when we talk with john about his creativity in his life you know all his photography stuff where he started with all that but uh yeah we're gonna jump into some uh some current stuff on the on the scope of things um uk governments <laughs> will it be allowing us out allowing us out with one more person tomorrow leisurely and um, yeah, I did quotation marks of the lads there. I forgot you guys don't see this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a video podcast, yeah. We're not. We yeah. ain't got the budget for that yet. Yeah. No, not got, quite. Yeah, got but a face happening. for radio there, Josh. Face for radio. <laughs> but yeah, we um, we. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, the the government relaxing of the rules a little bit tomorrow uh, from the eighth of March is um, is an interesting one. Obviously, being able to meet up with one person uh, for so social. Uh, mm. engagement really outside school's back um and uh when we get a bit more into me um most most people probably that have followed over from my instagram will know that um i'm a teacher so that's uh that's my uh extended period of homework in finished mm. uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but for how long <laughs> so but yeah. we'll see um it'll I mean, be interesting that's gonna be quite an interesting change because i think um a lot of people have really struggled with working from home like it doesn't matter what job you do like uh i i just know like for any extended period of time like it it just adds a lot of a lot of difference to your day that like just doesn't really sit well like i i, yeah. I thrive from being with people every day like working around me like you know just coming coming and seeing me like just being able to get up from my desk go for a walk around 
Like, whereas at home, you haven't got that, you haven't got that start and end of your day. It's just one continuous stream. And it doesn't matter how many routines you get into, you're going to break those routines very quickly. It's, it's just like, I don't know anyone who has not broken any routine since the lockdowns started. You, you just go, yep, I'm staying in bed for another half an hour because I haven't got to do it. You stay another half an hour, another hour passes by. I mean, God forbid that you'll be late for work. I know that's the thing, isn't it? For me, for me, that's one of my one of my big issues. Like, I, I, John knows this. I like to be punctual. I like to be somewhere if we have enough time to like set myself up for something like a shoot. I'm, I'm always the the first one there. Like, bar one time maybe in the past, and like sometimes I'll get there and I'm like there for like an hour before someone arrives. But for me, for me, it's it's the breaking of the day. Get into like I actually miss my commute which is like a weird thing to say but it it sets you up for your day and yeah. then it retires you down i mean yeah you probably get like pissed off if you live in london and you have to get the tube home in the evening i feel for, i feel for the people who live in the very big cities you know but like, even those kind of people probably are sick of just looking at like their cat again for the 50th time in one day or like you know looking at looking at food thinking oh i should probably eat something now but i'm still working <laughs> I, I i i don't miss the commute I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm enjoying the 10 second commute. Um, that is that is that is phenomenal. Like being able to being able to roll out of bed, get dressed, get to work immediately um, <laughs> is uh, is convenient. But I do miss, uh, particularly in my my career as a teacher, um, remote teaching is is crap. It's like, a dog it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter how good Teams, Zoom. Google Meets, whatever it is, it ain't the same. And the kids don't engage anywhere near as well as they no. would in a face-to-face situation or mass-to-mass situation as it's going to be. You haven't and, got the grasp um, on them, have you, really? Because like, you, no, can't, you can't really... No. It's not like you're threatening them or anything like that, but like you, you can't really kind of like control them in, a, in, a, in the right form of manner. Well, you know, if I was to ask a question and pose a question to a child, you know, or even a, an A-level student, you know, an 18-year-old, uh, I would just stand and wait for an answer. And uh, mm. you know, socially awkwardness of somebody standing waiting for an answer. The intimidation, yeah. The inti- yeah, you know, it's it's that element of I'm expecting an answer. Whereas online, it's very easy to just say, "Oh, my mic doesn't work," or <laughs> "Or uh, like my know. camera doesn't work," or "My yeah. internet has issues." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult. It is difficult. So it's funny. I've, I, think... I actually knew, I actually know. Um, so because me and John both work in like you know education. I work in a college. I know that there have been some t- some tutors that have. Have, have like like had like not horror stories but like when we've gone like to like the like the the evening pub on like friday night like on zoom or whatever you guys use you know that we come on and we'll 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 sometimes chat about like the things that like have happened in the week because like it's such a different week like that feels very natural to just like kind of like just open up mm. about it it feels more like we're sitting there with drinks and just basically talking about how much we hate working at home <laughs> yeah. and you just got you got you, you got accounts of like cheers saying that students have literally just been like gone ah oh, can you repeat that again? And and then you find out later on by some other student decides to wrap them out or like says something without realizing, saying that they've gone and had a shower while they've while they've not been asked to ask answer any questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and th- th- to be honest, I mean, I know uh, from working in in schools, you know that uh, that is that is a problem with remote learning and stuff. But mm. it is one of those things where you know, if I was at school, I would be doing exactly the same. Like you know, like you know, when I was when I was at school. I would ask the teacher to explain something again or other people in my class would ask them to explain something again so that they could sit there and do no work for five minutes whilst yeah. they explained it again. We've been there, done um, the t-shirt. Yeah, you know, it's no different. It's just digital. And um, 
it's easier i would say now to be passive in uh, mm. in everything not just lessons but like i love meetings on teams oh it's fantastic like, <laughs> my commute camera off do something else leave my headphones in if somebody asks me a question unmute yeah yeah i agree himself now. that's it you know i mean you know i have to say like it's brought about some real positives like the pandemic oh, itself yes. has brought around some real positives about like work-life balance oh, and yes. like how sure, people can, yeah yeah how people can like modify their the way that we work so like for me i don't i don't know if i'll ever want to go back to like face-to-face meetings on the whole like one-to-one no. meetings maybe but mm. like big staff meetings I think, like, doing those over teams, why shouldn't people be able to do it whilst they're commuting? Mm. It's True. a really good way of time. Yeah. No, um, and it's it's definitely something that, you know, I think a lot of people um, are talking about and they're bringing discussions, like, you know, with other countries. Like, I think it's like, is it in the Netherlands or mm-hmm. Sweden where they have, like, even shorter days of working? Um, and it's even bringing up those conversations, like, like well, you know, there's a lot more... Pro- I can't even pronounce it, but productivity to, yeah, like, you know, obviously with shorter days and not shorter hours, but there's a lot more, there's a lot more consideration with people with um, doing their labor of work. And, um, and obviously because of lockdown, obviously there's, they had to readjust on how everything works. Like obviously we have to make sure that, you know, everyone's cameras are working or this and that. And obviously, you know, trying to get the right equipment, et cetera. So everyone's prepared for it. And it's just almost like you said, like, you know, the thought of going back to the way it was before, everyone's actually kind of hesitant about it. They're like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Like maybe we should discuss it and maybe make some rearrangements mm. of how you know it has been more positive to do another way rather than just stick the old-fashioned way that's it is sort of... it is mm. interesting because like in my in my sort of career field of teaching uh, one of the <clears throat> questions that we ask a lot when we're doing things and when we're making decisions is will this benefit the students yeah so yes. the question we ask is if we change this who will benefit so are we ticking a box or filling in some paperwork for someone else or is this going to make a real, you know, step change difference to the kids that I teach? Mm. And if if it makes a difference to them, do it. If it doesn't, it's, it's not, and it won't it's make not, any difference. These days, it's not enough just to throw something at the wall and hope it sticks. Yeah, and and the problem is we're we're all spinning so many plates in all our roles. <laughs> it doesn't matter what job you do. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. trying to do so many different things that we don't have time to like constantly try and go back forth, back forth, back forth, and, no. and flick between ideas. You need to know that what you're going to do is going to have a really good impact on what you're doing i mean i hate to use that it's like a managerial term isn't it whenever they go like oh what's the impact of what you're doing but the reality yeah. is is that you know what we do our time is precious everyone's yeah. time is precious <coughs> i think never has that been more apparent no, um no. than than the last 12 months of the fact that you know we've had more time with people at home or more time with potentially if you've bubbled up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever you know you've had more time with those people um and I think most people, uh, certainly most of the people I know, are grateful for the time that they've had at home when they've been home working or when they've been around mm. their family or, um, you know, obviously particularly when we had that easing briefly in the summer, that mm. they were grateful to see their friends and they were grateful to see their their associates that they, you know, they hang around with. I, I miss my work colleagues, like, face to face. You know, because they are, you know, you spend more time, don't you, with your work colleagues than you do with your family a lot of the yeah. time, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like your extended family in a way, aren't they? Definitely. 
I mean, my work colleagues change every day because I'm, you know, from sometimes I'm a, I'm a background actor. So recently I've just done two days on a Netflix series, which I was like, like going back to what you were saying about the commute, like I actually kind of missed it, like going a different location every day. But I do admit that, you know, getting there and back is just, that's probably the most tedious thing. But once you slog, get there, yeah. it's kind of like, it's, it's actually kind of satisfying to do um yeah but i do miss like sometimes i do miss like meeting other people and even meeting old friends like on sets mm-hmm. and um and it's just you know it does make you think about um you know have has this been a positive like you said a positive impact on you know spending time with your family or your friends or etc or your partners etc so mm-hmm. and it's just something i think you know, if people think, uh, you know, we're going to go back to the, the way things are after this, like, I don't think so. I think there's going to be quite, not a huge number of changes, <clears> but <throat> definitely some changes within in terms of, um, you know, workforce and everything mm. else. The way I see it, it's going to be a very hybrid change. I feel like, um, I mean, just kind of echoing a little bit um, what the education secretary recently said about the change to the work uh, to like the, the the day for like students at school, college, you know, etc. How much time they spend in the class at the minute to try and push them a bit further forward, considering that we're not going to be doing exams in exam halls this year again. Another year, that's not going to happen. Um, and then you you kind of like look at that as like a wider perspective. You think, well, how much how much time does Johnny to be in the office or do I need to be in the office? Can we do like a half day here, a full day there? Like you go back to like 2019, 2018, any year before that. And someone says to you, oh, um, can I work from home today? Very rarely would you would you get a yes or a or someone would agree with you in your office. Like if if you even had that luxury, like it's like something that was like, I don't know, like having like a company car, like it's such a luxury to have to have that mm. change mm. in your your flow you know, and I think that now we can really see companies understanding where they need to be placed. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are big businesses that are still changing hands at the minute. You need to take a look at like uh, BT, for example, actually in the Midlands. Um, they've just uh, I think they've just moved offices now from the BT tower. They've just moved over to, I think, one. Uh, what was it? What was it called one Cornwall Row now? Because I, I noticed recently they they've moved the B, They've put a brand new BT sign. Uh, on the side that faces the the Moore Street, uh, not Moore Street, is it Snow Hill Bridge? Yeah, Snow Hill Bridge bit. So you can now tell that there are changes in offices still happening. So they anticipate them going back, but whether that's for all the week or for a yeah. half week, as opposed and to like then, you know part time people. Yeah, and then the flip side is I've got friends that work in finance in London, and mm. um, they work for big major banks, so uh, Lloyd's, NatWest, those sorts of people. Um, and a lot of their office space, you know, they had a lot of hot desk in to start with, which obviously is not good currently. No. no. Um, but um, they've all been working from home since about last March ish, uh, March April. Um, they're working from home, and uh, they do not intend to go back. So they're trying to break their leases and get away from that environment and have much smaller office space where you go in maybe to the office one day a week to have face-to-face meetings. Mm. And um, it's going to change the way that their business operates. But obviously, it will save them well, it'll save them lots of different costs. And it, to be honest, the evidence that I've looked at is generally that actually people working from home are often more productive than mm. they are when they're in the office anyway. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's all, an awful lot 
you know, I th- I within society a, of, of people looking busy in offices um, mm. <laughs> to appear like they're, they're being busy for their boss. Um, certainly, mm. I worked in the tech sector before I worked in education. And um, tech people, particularly, I will say, are very good at appearing busy. um (laughs) so you know like you've you've kind of got to justify your role haven't you whenever you're in a in a job to a certain extent so you know the last thing you want to do is look so efficient that you're not needed do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like that's the that's the crucial thing so it's it's a bit of a a bit of a weird one for me i feel like it's another double-headed sword situation because for me i feel like I think example wise would be when I, when we was allowed to go back to working in education last year, back in September, I I felt more productive than I'd been all year, and 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 for for me, like I thrive in in busy environments when people are all around me. But when I'm at home, like there's nothing that's yeah. physical that's telling me that I'm in a busy situation. I think- like. I think education's a little bit different to a lot of uh, yeah, sectors though get, because yeah. because education is inherently face to face whereas yeah. a business environment where you work in an office I mean the downside I would say from working from home if we if we see this step change going forward you know in 2021 2022 and beyond um you know you imagine if you start a new job and you're working from home oh, you don't God. get any social contact with mm, those people true. it becomes yeah. very hard to make friends I suppose other than like virtual digital friends it, it right. would be very difficult, I think, to start jobs. And there are people that have started jobs in this pandemic where they are working from home. It must be so alienating to really not is. feel... I think it's in, our, yeah, in our college, the, uh, the deputy, the, the, I think the, dep- the deputy principal started during lockdown last year. And that's a big role, isn't it? Like, that's a big role to step into. To, really and if, especially if they were they new to the college as well. Yeah. So they'd never worked in the college before, so nobody knew. I them. think they came in like previously, like when they were like you know totting up the role change. But like I think that was all about they got. Yeah, but even so, that's going to have been like there ultimately won't have been any face to face meetings where people had seen them and stuff. Not and that it's, I can account it's, much it's of. Very no. diff. It's very difficult. Um, you know, and like like Owen, you were saying when you go to different um jobs and different gigs where you do acting on different uh sort of roles you're meeting lots of different people face to face well that would be mm. one impossible virtually obviously yeah, yeah. Um, but but also it's the fact that a lot of the networking in your industry will be from face to face you know um directors seeing you and and being there exactly, and then yeah. going yeah. oh i know that mm-hmm. person or you know when they do casting calls going oh we we had someone that would be appropriate for that on something else so if you're not out there and if the whole industry is crippled and locked down then that's obviously that's detrimental not just to the the industry in terms of profit, but it's detrimental to all the people that work in that industry as well. It really is. Yeah, it really is. absolutely. Yeah, it's it has definitely challenged us to try be creative in certain ways. I mean, obviously there have been people dealing with um, lockdown and depression, like Sam Neill would make, you know, short films, even though. Um, you know, you can clearly tell that they're shooting in different locations, like from his house to another person's house. Like he started with um, him and Hugo Reaving pretending to be sharing a bath. Oh, and... I saw that. That was brilliant. That was yeah, and then, it, and then he did another one with Helen Bon Carter and amongst others. And yeah, yeah and then obviously there was that sh- they, there was that series with um, David Tennant and Michael Sheen called Staged. Yeah, that was good. That was I enjoyed that. Um, so there's loads of things that you know. It's obviously got people, um, you know, very creative and like put the uh, on their foot, uh, put put them on their feet to get like, okay, what? Well, how can we do this in the, in the 
midst of this this whole pandemic. Um, but you're right; it it does. Um, it, there is a certain um, a few cons about this, like the fact that, like you said, like if you're going to have to be networking and meet other people, um, it does really affect that. Unless you um going to be going up to like if there's an online networking, uh, like every mm. week or so then you know by all means go for it but you know genuinely you know ne most networking you do go to events like you know in major cities like london or whatever it is and that's how people network you know they get to meet them and actually go here here's my card or yeah. whatever mm -hmm. so um yeah i mean there were some pros and cons in the whole thing you know with with the education sector and the business sector and obviously the entertainment sector um it's just how do we take from all those things that we're learning throughout the, the past 12 months mm. and how, do we, how do we go forward from that i guess so, without, without being cheesy and using boris's words which i kind of am build back better basically we have to build back better you know in a, in a, in a, in a manner of speak that like we're not just forgetting the lessons that we learned last year and this year at the start of this year now it's it's it's, mm. a, it's it's a very difficult one like you know you take aside all the all the crap that's happened in the uk government this year and last year and you just kind of like take it back down to like the raw differences between people like there were there were times back in the back at the start of the first lockdown that people were starting to adapt to working from home and then before the year was out, people the, the studies was made basically saying that people wanted to go back to the office. Like companies were starting to reevaluate things. Like they feel like they jumped the gun. Like not every business is, and not every not every person wants to work from home. After it's like the luxury of working from home in my eyes would be like a one day or two day week for me. Like anything other than one or two days a week, I think would not allow me to be productive. And that's not just in terms of education, but for me, like getting out, doing my shooting as my hobby, like. That's the one thing that got stripped from me this lockdown within the winter time right now where it's the most, you know, brisk weather. Like you don't want to get out there because it's too cold. So you end up sitting indoors more often. Your, mm. your depression hits a new high. Like, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not an easy one to, to digest, it isn't. But if we're going to, if we're going to build back better, again, using Boris's words, which I really don't want to, um, We've got to learn from those lessons. We've got to like look at whether businesses work, uh, have their workers work from home on alternate days in the week, whether they have a shorter day one day, a longer day another day, like where they do maybe longer hours in the evening on a, a, a like working at home. They save desk space at the office. They start to you know save money in those departments and put it to better things, maybe building better customer experiences and all that kind of thing. I mean, uh, to be fair, one of the biggest things I think that still gets a lot of a lot of um doesn't get much discussion about is the building work that's going on out of the country right now like you only have to take a look at network rail look around birmingham right now places are being finished up quickly like the whole of broad street down birmingham they've completely mapped out all of the metro track now they've got the stations built down they're they're basically ready for people to come back and it starts the metro up this the end of this year it's going to be like mad like you have to take a look at Crossrail. they've had their problems in london as well you know engineering's has had its issues with COVID still. They've still not 100% been there, but they've done blockades and they're, they're starting to get back to their point where they're going to open up underneath London, you know, with the Elizabeth line. Construction's an interesting one. Uh, it is. It's one, it's one sector that doesn't appear to have been, when I say doesn't appear to have been hugely affected. Yeah. Whenever I've, I've, I've yeah. seen a few a few people, like I've got a friend who's having a, who's had a loft conversion down in, uh, in uh, sort of 
just outside London. Mm. The, the builders that were all of them, because there's multiple trades involved, the social distancing was non-existent. Yes. Um, mask wearing, non-existent. Uh, so, you know, within that within that sector and that sector has been allowed to continue working throughout the whole pandemic mm. um you know so even during national lockdown they construction could continue um and like you say it's had benefits so uh you know like your metro lines and stuff like that they're being completely quicker because there's less disruption when you need to just close a whole street you know yeah. see whereas you wouldn't normally do that if you had loads of busy offices and and that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, like like we say, there there's there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to you know go forward with. You know, like just even just like being a bit more greener with your transport, like getting out on bikes. Like that was a big major point that we spoke about by the transport secretary last year. Um, in yeah, all that, all those all those people still commuting on their bikes in December were they? I think not. No, no, <laughs> no, no, definitely yeah. not. There's a few. There's a few hardcore people that would continue to ride, but I think we were very lucky in many circum in many ways that the first lockdown that happened when we went through and it was gorgeous weather. Yeah. Um, yeah. Helped lift a lot of people by being outside, and and obviously this lockdown in comparison has been uh, cold by comparison. There's just no uh, serotonin levels in the, there in isn't. the week. I mean, it, it's an interesting one because um, I think a lot. I've spoke to you individually, Josh. Obviously, like I've I've not found any of the lockdowns particularly hard mm. I've, I've i would say i've in, not enjoyed i don't want people to think that like no no this no, year's been you. fantastic but what i what i will say is that like i've got a six-year-old child and my wife that i live with um i'm very fortunate that the people that i care about in my life live with me mm. and um and that i've got a job that's meant that i've effectively been at home when it's been too unsafe to go in although weirdly anyway we won't get into that yeah um <laughs> so um and then I, I you know i'm i'm fortunate that i've got a job that provides me with a stable income i'm not worried about my income and stuff and i get that and i'm very grateful for that um you know and um and i think it's one of those things where i appreciate that there are lots of people worse off in terms of mentally economically i i get that um, and I am grateful for the fact that I haven't experienced that in the last 12 months. You know, my, my brother-in-law has been made redundant from retail, Gosh. you know, um, one yeah, of my friends has been made redundant from retail. Yeah. So, you know, so, I mean, he worked for Burton. So, um, oh, gosh. the oh, whole Arcadia gosh. group obviously yeah. collapsed. Uh, and he was being held on and held on and held on and held on. And then at the last minute, he got he found out about 20 minutes before it went live on BBC News that Jeez. the company had folded. So, you know, I understand the fact there's an awful lot of stress. He's just bought a house, for example. So Jeez. that's like, you know, you can imagine that that's like, that's quite stressful. It is, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I, I kind of appreciate that people in public sector roles are fortunate that they're highly unlikely to lose those roles. Um, mm. But then the flip side is, is that, if you look at public versus private, there's always pros and cons with that. You know, like a lot of the time you don't get the benefits. I know that, for example, in public sector with teaching, for example, pensions and stuff like that are very favorable in comparison to private sector. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, grateful for it, but I have to do my time. You know, I need 40 years in the profession before it's <laughs> worth much. It's a long time to commit to a job where I'm earning mm -hmm. normally less than a professional equivalent in another capacity. You know, if I worked in the tech sector, I'd be earning more than I earn in teaching. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'd have less responsibility in terms of, you know, I've, I'm more responsible for more people in exactly, terms of the children exactly, and, their, yeah. and their, their outcomes. Um, and I would argue that actually the... The, the, the impact, invested difference. Yeah, you know, I, ha I have a, a step impact on 
how children progress in their lives. Whereas obviously, in a you know, if it's a failed project, okay, it may affect people, but often it's you know, it's it's mitigated by With the amount of or... ones that Google get rid of every year, eh? Yeah, you know. So, <laughs> and I enjoyed working in tech. You know, don't get me wrong. When I worked in tech um, before I went into teaching uh, pre two thousand and nine. Um, I did enjoy working in a tech role. Um, I enjoyed the technical challenges. I enjoyed fixing things or finding solutions to problems that existed um, and solving that for people. Um, so looking at bigger projects, so like network migrations and all that sort of stuff. And then um, I, I just, to be honest, I got a bit bored. Like I found that, you know, after working, how I I've worked in tech for about... Uh, maybe about six or seven years. And I was finding that a lot of the stuff I was doing was just like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And it was a bit samey. Yeah. And I enjoyed the people I worked with and I enjoyed the role. And I actually, because I'm quite a social person, I you know, quite like discussing things and fixing things for people. Once I got a bit further up the chain and I started just being like project management and overseeing things, I was like, oh, this is really dull. Like I, I'm not, oh, I'm not getting to mix with people like I was originally um so I, I happened to just sort of go into this uh this sort of phase of my life where i thought i want to do something a bit more rewarding and a bit more of a vocation a calling mm. um and there's a lot of teachers within my family anyway so most of them said don't do it you're mad um and uh <laughs> you're doing it for less money for more stress and i was like yeah it'd be fine and they were right <laughs> i mean it is less money for more stress but it's it is an enjoyable career in terms of you make bonds and relationships with those kids. And I think that's what a lot of the public, the public perception of teachers, mm. uh, you know, the media will often teacher bash and, and pick on teachers and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and, not um, mention the newspapers. In, in, yeah, yeah. In, in, not, in not the same way that, you know, they wouldn't, they'd very rarely do it about the police or fire or nurses or doctors, mm -mm. you know. And actually, they're public servants the same as we are. And they provide essential services because if children aren't, aren't educated... 10 years down the line the whole country's stuffed do you know what i mean like that's so, why the, yeah. that's why the schools are one of the one of the big points about going they're a back priority to aren't they yeah definitely you know and it's right that schools are a priority it's a hundred percent right that children they're the are future. back in schools uh, absolutely yeah and it's the same thing when um, the creative arts has been affected as well like you know i've always had you know uh friends and family that when i say i want to be a filmmaker or just be creative in general they don't take it as seriously they yeah. sort of you know, they act like very patronizing. You know, they just go like, you know, pat on the back, like, oh, good for you, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't get yeah. that when, you know, you're, start, you're studying to be, you know, a doctor or you know, a scientist or a lawyer or anything or that yeah. that's considered respectable kind careers. Of yeah. 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 And and I tell them, like, you know, if you're not encouraging, you know, uh, you know, filmmakers, actors, models, uh, photographers, um, you know, just anything that you know, involves that entertains people throughout their day, then what the hell we're going to be doing, you know, when we're just dealing with all this stress after the end of the day. Mm -hmm. and, the you way know, you look at it is like, where would people be after after all their work days, you know, in the last year? Like you, you switch on the telly, you go on Netflix. That's the industry that you're that you're forgetting on. Per uh, it's deliberate. It's quite deliberate. It is by people. And it's, it's the same thing with the gyms as well, like forgetting the gyms when you need that to keep your fitness and health, mental health up. Yeah, I think it's interesting because the the creative sector is always one of those things where if somebody says to you, um, like you know, you are absolutely right, Owen. Like if you said, to them, "What do you do for a living?" Oh, I'm an actor. 
there is an immediate response within some people mm. that go, "Oh right, an actor. No, does that pay the bills? Does it? You know, like, and it's like oh, that's yes. the thing where you just think it's like, so patronizing. Well, actually, like, if nobody was an actor, what would you, what would you enjoy? If nobody wrote books, what would you read? Do you know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah, if nobody, I. If nobody took photos, what would you look at? Exactly. You know I mean? like, me. If... Trust me, I've I've had those discussions, and I would get like they would go, "Oh, I come down." I'm like, no, don't give me that. Don't like, patronize you're the one me. Who, yeah, exactly. Don't patronize me. Don't you know? Don't. And and the frustrating thing is, they only take it seriously when you've made it in the industry. Mm. Like you finally sold your first book or your first album <laughs> or your whatever it is, and it's just like fucking hell. Like how much? Like are we supposed to encourage people or like discourage? people like yeah. what do you want to do and it's... also it just makes me go like okay when, whenever we get the, into the next lockdown don't watch all those streaming services don't listen to music don't mm-hmm. read books because if you're not going to support the people that want to be inspired to become want those you. people then quite simply and i'm just going to be blunt about it fuck off <laughs> <laughs> it is is true and i think every sector has that element like obviously within acting and like like my um my brother-in-law did a fine art degree and you know a lot of the people that um that he came across would often go what's that gonna get you what are you gonna do with that (sighs) yeah you're gonna Mm -hmm. paint for a living are you it's like such a tosser thing to say yeah you know and i think there's in lots of sectors we get this problem and it's different different problems in different sectors and i think there's always that sort of thing so within the Mm. the arts and creative industry it's that oh is that going to pay your bills then is it you Mm. know there's that that stereotypical view of you know artists are just people that you know they don't really work very hard they're just you know that sort of thing and that is so stereotypical and wrong mm. and then like obviously like in my profession like the stereotypical view would be it must be so hard doing nine till three monday to friday 13 weeks holiday a year like you know, basically like, different yeah. compared to any other industry yeah. you know and i'm like well if it's so easy why isn't everyone doing it yeah, <laughs> like, and it's the same with yeah. acting, or the same with. It makes with me thankful. Anything, you it know. makes me thankful in my job being a term time person because it means I can be very flexible. Like when I get my holiday, like yeah, I have to work throughout the summer. Boo hoo! Like I used to think it was like such a like a bad thing when I first started, but I'm like, well, actually, when you flip it like that, term time is the most expensive time to go on holiday. So I can go on holiday when it's the least expensive, and it doesn't matter to anyone else but me. You know, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's mad if i go on holiday in the six weeks holidays and i go away for a fortnight with my wife and my daughter if i oh, went God. away in the second week of september or the second week of july it would be half the price <laughs> but man uh, yeah we both work in education so that ain't gonna happen oh, man. <laughs> you know what spe- spe- so. speaking of things actually i'll say you you sort of alluded to your you know your previous you know stuff that you've done in your life like working in tech so i'll say i guess yeah. we can roll now uh, away from the the doom and gloom machine that we've had but a very co- a very good conversation of course but like to talk about you and as a creative and your yeah, career yeah. path i'll say so uh i guess you start with the tech stuff and say where did you work in tech uh, so I worked within a couple of different tech companies doing different roles. I started with um, sort of first line support. So literally, you know, as you would expect, like pick up the phone, I would be the person that you spoke to initially, uh, work my way up to sort of assistant manager and then manager roles and, and work my way through and uh, sort of did some key projects and stuff like that within some tech roles. So migrations of, at the time, it was like uh, Windows XP to Windows um, 7 and then uh, 7 to Windows 10, actually, most recently that I helped assist with at my current school actually but oh, wow. um and i you know it's it's interesting because I, I my subject that i teach now uh, where i moved over is computer science 
and um, a lot of my technical skills uh, are still quite relevant in the in the classroom. Um, if anything, I probably add more to the role because mm. I, I've got real industry experience that I can you know roll into my A level or GCSE lessons and stuff. It's fantastic, yeah. Um, and that that really helps. And I think there's a lot to be said for there was a lot of um disgruntled teachers when they said they were going to like retrain the army and do all this sort of stuff to get them more more people into teaching and stuff and and i don't think there's anything wrong with aspiring to have people who were who were in experienced roles moving over to education because you can bring stuff into that and i certainly i've moved over after having a period of my life you know my early 20s where i was working in in tech and then moved over to education and my wife um worked in sort of um psychiatrist sort of based settings before she moved over to become a teacher and that certainly helped her and uh i work in secondary my wife works in primary so it's kind of that um that sort of that balance of it's a challenging career profession um i i moved into it really because i wanted something very different um and i'm now uh what 12 years in and um it, it's one of those things where financially it's it's not that rewarding like mm. um i've had to take on quite a lot of responsibility to get a what what would in the private sector be deemed a decent salary um uh, you know and run quite a few things so i'm my, my head of department that's who i am so i run my own department and oversee other staff uh, and i also run the school's duke of edinburgh award so well, yeah. i've got uh, i'm i'm sort of outdoors a lot and i think one of the reasons for that and that links in a bit with my sort of creative side is i like photography and i like going out and about and i learned um photography quite late actually um it was probably about 2005 maybe i think i picked up my first camera properly like a proper camera um and it was because the photography teacher at a school that i was supporting at the time just lent me a digital slr and just went just have a go and i was like (laughs) how hard can it be turns out quite quite hard actually but anyway um, my favorite top gear line how hard can it be yeah how hard can it be so i you know i went out took a few shots uh i mean honestly like most things in life i'm sure like you know josh had looked back at his first things or owen had looked back at his first acting roles and think oh my god that was awful um (laughs) you know and you know we we look back and reflect on that and i think oh yeah it's terrible and then i i sort of I I used to sort of focus on landscapes and the local area around the black country and stuff like that. And then um, did a few different things. So I got my, um, probably the thing that really spurred me on, I would say, is I got um, I got one of my photos into the Jessup's uh, Share Your Summer um, oh, campaign. And I, I think I you came, were telling me about that before. Yeah, I came runner-up in their, in their final. So I went down to London to Somerset House and we had an all-expenses-paid meal and all this wow. sort of stuff. And it was an absolute ace. And... Um, my my photo was actually shown in all Jessup shops up and down the country for about That's a such fortnight. An um, it was really cool. Like you know, I've, I'd, and I only entered because somebody who I knew just went. That photo of your daughter would look ace in this competition. Mm. It's so summery, mm. and I was like, okay. So I entered it. Um, got a few little things off the back of that, and and within the creative community, I I happened to do quite a lot of photo walks and stuff like that. Um, back in sort of like, I think it was about two thousand and. 14 ish 2015 maybe and um one of those photo walks was for a a community called igas birmingham um which has since been taken over by some new uh admins but um the uh the original founders of that i got quite close to fraser and uh and uh he was uh really really welcoming and i met a lot of good friends i would say through igas birmingham and uh as i was walking around one of the the canal walks that they did 
and looking at the graffiti and stuff like that in Birmingham. I happened to bump into two blokes who um, I'd sort of seen on some of the walks, but I'd never really talked to. And uh, it turned out they were the two admins. uh, They were two thirds of the admin team for Iger's Black Country. Uh And um, I just got chatting, which I'm pretty good at. And um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, I, I then got taken on in an admin role for Iger's Black Country and um, it promotes the the Black Country and lots of different parts of the Black Country that perhaps people aren't aware of. Um, so on Instagram they're at Iger's Black Country, I-G-E-R-S Black Country, or one word. And um, yeah, we've we've been in uh, the Express and Star, which is like the local paper for the Midlands, um, quite a few times. We have a lot of featured work that we put in for for people and obviously photos of the day and stuff like that and from that um i then sort of started noticing that there was a bit of a portrait community that was happening in birmingham and uh, a few uh a few different you know things led on from one another like i, I went to an igus birmingham meet that had a like a, a model session so there was a bit where there was landscapes and ponies and there was a bit where there was people and i quite like <laughs> the people bit so i started taking photos of people and then uh I started taking more photos of people and then soon I wasn't taking any landscapes and I was only taking photos of people. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I kind of, I don't know, like I, cause I, like I've said before, I'm quite a social person. I quite like communicating with people and talking with people and finding out things about people. So for me, being able to take photos of people gives me an opportunity to have a chat with them and find out about them and stuff. So I started taking more photos, uh, went to a couple of events. Josh happened to notice that I'd started taking some people pe- people photos. Uh, and I think actually your first photo that you ever commented on for me was one of Lee's Hours Park in Hales Owen. Yeah. You're like, I love that location. It's so cool. And I was like, oh, where are you from? And you were like, oh, I'm from there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's not far from where I live, which is there and uh, <laughs> and they um, the and then it, yeah that's in the midlands somewhere yeah and um and it was just one of those things where like that then led to me getting to know you a bit better uh we then went to a few portrait events with uh, different people um which then led to um me you and billy starting up the get the shot podcast which yeah. was yeah that was born at an event where we networked with people uh, again like you say Owen, like you know physically not so much physically handing a card but actually saying, oh i'm i'm such and such and you know billy turning around and going oh my god i know your instagram like you know right. that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah and then it was just like should we do you fancy doing a podcast and she was yeah you know, we were all like yeah this this sounds pretty cool so we did that we ran 24 episodes in the uh, the first year that we did it and um, got some good listenership and quite a lot of people like Josh has posted out recently to say we're coming back eventually eventually um, <laughs> we're not sure when but when we can because uh, I much prefer recording in person I think it's I I find it much more engaging um, yeah no for it's, sure it's, it's you know it's been difficult to record the last year uh, especially when there's three of us and we're on different schedules and stuff so we used to record on like i think it was a monday night and mm. um it was really good fun we'd record every other week or we'd perhaps record you know one night and we'd bang in two or three episodes and that sort of stuff but um and that sort of that sort of creativity is spurred on and i haven't actually if i'm honest picked up my camera for a while i've taken a lot on my phone and um me and Josh, uh, we had this discussion many times on the podcast. We're big advocates for like mobile technology and, and for mobile phones and using the camera that you have with you. Mm. Um, and because life at the moment is a bit different, 
and um, certainly carrying lugging around a full frame mirrorless camera all the way around mm. wherever I'm going for a walk doesn't seem really that enticing. Um, I've found that you you taking photos on my phone and a lot of the photos um, that I post on my Instagram at the moment are from mobile phone photos or they're deep out the archives, obviously. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things. So where will I go next? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the intention was to do more studio stuff, um, but obviously current restrictions mean that's difficult. I mean, I even have a home studio now waiting to be used. but And recording not... as well, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So it's a dual purpose space. I mean, at the moment, it's currently going to be turned into a bar for this summer, I think, at the rate of <laughs> Uh, oh, that would so be good. Might, might be a triple triple use space. Imagine that. Moment, imagine but... that, that that merging of just drinking, doing drinking, podcasting, podcasting and taking photos. And photos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all at the same time. So yeah. So I don't know um, where where I'll head creatively going forwards. Um, I've kind of initially I floated the idea, and I think um, I probably Josh knows this anyway. I've, I floated the idea of doing it as a profession. Like I thought, oh photography it's such a saturated market though mm. and um and the problem is is that with the advent of digital technology you know anyone that holds a camera is a photographer and um mm. you know you're competing against people almost i'd say a race to the bottom sometimes you know um, yeah we've yeah, spoke so, about that on the podcast. yeah somebody somebody will undercut just because they want the work and it just devalues the whole profession you know it's like an actor saying i'll do it for 50 quid less than that bloke you know, it's it's absolutely yeah, of like you know. plane tickets, isn't it? Like undercutting to the lowest denominator. Yeah, and it's it's difficult. So I, I kind of I do bits on the side, you know, as a, as a, a you know a side hustle, I suppose people would call it. Um, mm. I do earn some money from it every now and again. I do a paid gig or a wedding or a, um, a retirement party or a kids christening or you know whatever back in you know pre-COVID times. But um, it's just one of those things where I think to make a living from it. And I think this links in with what you were saying uh, earlier, Owen, to make a living from a creative industry, unless you've established yourself and sort of made it, getting that regular work is hard graft. Like, it's, it's so hard. It's yeah. hard, you know, and it's it's um, my hats off to anyone that has the balls to just go, right, fuck it. I'm, <laughs> I'm quitting my job and I'm just going to go and be a photographer because honestly, that is is brave. I mean, I would argue borderline stupid if you've not got a, an established customer base. You know what oh, I mean? Oh gosh, but yeah, yeah. It, it's if you've got lots of people that you work with already, then yeah, absolutely. And if you know that income's going to be coming in, but for me, at the current stage in my life, there's no way that I could justify, you know, quitting a well-paid, decent job um, mm. for the uncertainty of not knowing when the next paycheck comes. And particularly, I would say, with my career at the moment, leaving abruptly would make going back very difficult because yeah. the first person they're going to speak to is the person that you've last worked for. And if it was quite an abrupt decision to leave, uh, that probably wouldn't make you that employable going back mm. into the industry. So um, tech industry, I considered switching back into um, over the course of the last, I don't know, three or four years. I thought, well, maybe I could do that and do half that and half you know, photography or maybe go to part-time teaching and part-time photography. But I think the problem is, is creative industries require like 110% of your mm. effort. There's uh, a lot of commitment that you need to put in and, yeah. you know, and it's, it's always, you know, financial issues that comes in the way or just yeah. whatever that is, like any obstacles that just yeah. interferes it. So, And I just think that like, you know, with creatives as well and a creative industry like a photographer, you know, you're not just 
you know, you're not just doing one thing. You you're an accountant. You're a website manager. You're a customer service relation person. Mm. You're a you're a, a yeah. You're a, you're effectively a photographer as well. You're, you're an assistant. Band. You're doing everything. You know, to to basically uh, keep everything running. And um, to me, where I am now, I mean, maybe you know, when when my daughter's older, there's not as much financial commitment. I you know, maybe I'm mortgage free, that sort of stuff. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. Never say never. But um, I think a good example. Is... A good example. Just sorry to put in just a minute. Like a, a good example I've seen recently. Um, a YouTuber I told you about before, John, called Blue Van Man, who's like yeah, yeah. food reviewing and stuff like that. He's got to a position now where he's actually recently been able to quit his his, his day job, and he's been able to, I guess, in a sort of way, semi-retire, and he's mm-hmm. now able to do that YouTube channel. On, on, on a more fun basis and yeah. enjoy the, the 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 fruits of the labor of being and I think that's I think that's a good point because that's the that's the way that I would look at it is that mm. if I had to do photography to make a living and get by and basically feed my family yeah um, it doesn't become fun I don't think no. like it becomes a job rather than a hobby and for me one of the things I love about being creative and taking photos and posting it for people to see and stuff like that is actually just that whole thing of being creative um one of the things that i've done in the last year actually um is i've somehow i mean I, let's be honest I mean, there's no, we won't beat around the bush i'm having a semi midlife crisis where i've decided <laughs> i want to ride motorbikes <laughs> um, and uh and um it's it's one of those things where i went through it was about 2019 i thought oh i'll, I'll commute on a bike it'll save time it may have saved time, but it didn't save any money. No. And, uh, you know, I had to buy the bike, I had to insure the bike, you know, all that stuff. And then, um, sure enough, somebody did say to me at the time, oh, you, you won't be happy with just, like, a little 125 to get to work on. You'll want a bigger bike. I was like, no, 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 I won't. I just I just want to poodle around and get to work. I remember work. you no, telling me well, about those changes yeah, in your mind. Yeah, it has changed. My mindset's completely changed. Now I want power. I want power. lots and lots of power. So, um, power. So, yeah, so I've uh, I've been in the process of learning to ride... A big boy bike, effectively, big boy. and um, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm very close, but lockdown has scuppered that a bit. I've had rearranged tests and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So, um, but it, it, within that, actually, one of the things that I did, which I'd never thought I'd ever do, um, and Josh will probably know this because I don't really like my face, to be honest, mm. is I, I started doing YouTube stuff and um, putting up video reviews, how tos, uh, vlogs, that sort of stuff. That I just thought, well. I'm bored. Let's just do something a bit different. So, so you, started doing I think that. You, you start. I think you started doing a lot more of it in the recent year, like 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 our other friend Brad has been doing as well. He's been yeah, pushing so his YouTube a lot more. It's about about a year and a half, maybe eighteen months ago. I started doing. I put a couple of videos up for a, a fairly popular Honda scooter, and then they seemed really popular. So I was like, oh, okay. And, Got some good feedback. Actually, genuinely met like three or four people local to me as well through them commenting and saying, "Oh, I recognise that. That's such and such." And I'm like, "Yeah, it is." Wow. And then they've pinged an email over and gone, "Oh, if you want to ride out or whatever, you know, drop us a text." Yeah, you so, and Cam went out and did a few rides. Yeah, yeah. Actually. So and like it was like one of those things, you know, like Cameron, one of the guys that comes to a lot of the events, and I've I now I go out riding with him, and uh, there's another guy, one of my subscribers called Tim. He he sort of tags on and, and uh, we often go out and do little rides out when the lockdown isn't on and stuff so it's just one of those things where and then I, I kind of just do it because I like doing it like I have no interest really in terms of 
monetizing, making money, you know, making exactly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna retire off ad revenue. Do you know what I mean? Like I, so... I, I, I see that the way I see it, because obviously I've not got like my own like mate I haven't made my own family yet because I'm still my own self with my own you know my my current family current family <laughs> you know you know, you know the, the core is there an upcoming family or <laughs> the core family that you, you grew up with yeah um yeah. so for me i see i see my income as being saving for the future enjoying you know most aspects of life but then also you know keeping bits of money for my photography where i can go and travel to london like you know john i, I in in a good year Obviously, we haven't had a great year in the last year or so, so I've not done it as much. But I probably end up going to London, what, like 10 or 12 yeah, times yeah. a year? Yeah. Because I just and put money aside for it. And you've got the flexibility, obviously, at your age and mm. with your lack of commitments, to, to for a better term at the mm. moment, you've got the flexibility to be able to go, right, I'm just going to get on a train on Friday and I'm going to spend the weekend in London. Mm. And you can, you know, and actually when I was younger, I could do that. Um, but um, obviously now it's... Um, more difficult i mean it's a board game yeah Yeah. i'm I'm fortunate you know like i've both me and my wife both work in the week so we both have weekends off Mm. so childcare and stuff is not normally an issue but you know as anyone that's got children will know that all of a sudden um all i I don't know what i used to do with my free time before (laughs) i had children i I honestly don't know i'm really not sure um i'm not i'm not entirely sure well, maybe I just didn't have any free time, but I, I can't really remember what I did with it if I had any. The time just um, escapes you, yeah. Well, because now I just don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now it's either I'm either working, uh, helping around, around the house, uh, doing something for the house of some sort. You know, we're either particularly like normal times. It's like you know we uh, have after school clubs, and I'm at work, and often I work. What I tend to do is I try and work late in an evening at work, so I don't have to bring any work home. Um, but then when I get home, it's literally like food, bit of TV, bed. You know, that's, that's basically it. Yeah, There's it's, no it's change Monday in to, that detail. It's just yeah, right there. Monday to Friday, that's it, you know. And it's uh, to a certain extent, like some people go, oh, that's really boring. But what it means is that my weekends can be spent doing things with family mm. or friends and that sort of stuff. Mm. And it's been difficult, you know, over the last 12 months. Everyone's experienced that same thing where they've they've found it difficult to meet up with people because of the restrictions and stuff like that. But actually, like, and it's interesting as well because the way that I'm sure a lot of people will will experience this, like initially sort of like March, April, May last year, like Teams stuff and Zoom stuff was quite cool. I like, quite liked it and stuff mm. like that. And like after 27, 28 hours on Teams last week, the last thing that I wanted to do was spend an hour doing a family Zoom quiz. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, you just think like technology is uh, one of those things that's amazing but crap on both parts because like one of the things we've noticed as a as a a staff where i work we've become universally available like Mm. never have we has it been so easy to have a meeting with someone you know you literally look at their status on their on their team status and like oh (laughs) available i'll video call them (laughs) you know normally you just hide in the building you know like you make sure you're not where you're meant to be so that nobody can find you you know you Mm. go you go and sit in a another office or you sit in a uh, an outside space or something you know so somebody has to physically look for you i guess it gets, just, it gets you know... worst um it gets worse like even when you're when you've got like annual leave booked in like they they see that it says online but then they don't look for the difference that says out of office and they yeah. try and call you on your off day and you're just like 
Hello? Yeah, I'm not working today. Oh, what part of out of office do you not understand? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like there, there are also t um, differences now that like there's the best part of it and the bad part of it. Whereas now we can get we can, we can now get our desk phone calls through Teams, mm. which mm. for me, when someone says, "Oh, could you call this person on their mobile?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can't do that really because it's my mobile phone." But now I have no choice, but I can do that because I got it on Teams. So it's like a blessing that I can call somebody and try and understand their problem. But when then I get an email from a staff member going, "Oh, could you call this June?" That's totally not weird at all. Like wanting calling them from home and getting used to those terminologies when you pick up the phone, going, "Hello, this is Josh Deacon here. How can I help you?" And you you just weird that by it yeah. again. It's difficult as well because it's uh it's a different it blurs the lines doesn't it between work and home so mm. you know home is normally the place where you relax unwind that sort of stuff whereas you know like for me my office was very much it used to be a place where i you know on a, on a normally on a on a weeknight it would be where i perhaps do some work and stuff like that. on a weekend it would often be where i'd chill out play some games whatever yeah now it means that it's basically my office workstation it's literally my workstation and um it's one of those things where you just think like Wow, um, yeah. The the whole if I had if I didn't have this space that I'm in right now to work in, it would make my life very difficult. Like there are teachers that That's have me. no space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like you're you know you're sat probably cross legged on your bed or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, and ultimately. You know, that's not good posture, not good for you to work in. So if you spend the whole week doing that because it's too noisy in the rest of the house to work or whatever, you know, that is. That's a problem that some people face. You know, like some teachers have been trying to teach remotely from, say, a sofa and a coffee table. That's crap. Like, you know, what I mean, that's mm. and they're going to have terrible back pain <laughs> going forwards. You know, so it's it's one of those things where I'm lucky. You know, and um and, and I've said this before. Like, you know, if if you've got people that live in say London where they've got one bedroom flats as yeah. maybe you know quite junior teachers. You know, they're quite early on in their career. They spend all their money trying to live where they can. And they don't have the space to have a dedicated workstation. You know, no, that's the thing. I, I like, empathize with them. Yeah, and a lot of people will say, like, oh, you know, well, um, businesses are providing desks and chairs. Well, that's fine if you've got somewhere to put it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the money for it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the thing. So, like, to me, um, like, I. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. Like, well, I've been quite lucky at my workplace where they've said, like, if you can't work at home, we, will, we are happy for you to come in because the school is open to children key workers and vulnerable yeah, children yeah. Mm. and we're happy for you to come in um but if you can work from home and it's comfortable to work from home then please do now to me i've got a nice set i've got you know laser printer scanner <laughs> big you've ass got, TV you've, you've got the, the bits that you need i've got everything that i need do you know what i mean um the only thing i wish i could do which i can't do in my profession so if i was in an office job where i was just i was being productive on my own you know outside of meetings um i'll be able to just sit and listen to podcasts whilst i work and stuff like that well when i'm teaching i i can't do that it's not so, no um you know i mean sitting there with your headphones in listening to a podcast whilst you're trying to talk to the kids probably not it's probably, probably not, not advisable <laughs> yeah, um you know but, uh, but it is it's one of those things so uh, to me um it's been an interesting 18 months really creatively for me so um i've sort of gone through this in the last two years gone through this thing where i've gone sort of like photos of landscapes to people from people to podcasts from podcasts to videos and i'm kind of just like everything's currently just sort of paused at the moment like nothing's really happening um i'll definitely want to shoot with more people again in the future um, but there's no desperate rush and like 
I don't feel a, an, a burning desire to need to go out and shoot with people right now. Like, mm. it's it will wait. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd much rather go and take some landscapes now where I'm not spreading anything to anyone or yeah, yeah. Or, or risking infecting anyone if, if I'm asymptomatic or anything like that, you know? Right. Um, so to me, my, my problem is is that when I uh, when I want to go out and like shoot landscapes and like even even just like just to explore somewhere, I I don't like doing that on my own. It's a weird thing for me. Like I like I I prefer having company to go out places. So yeah, that's I where can, my different struggle is. I can understand that. I mean, I I like I I do like being alone sometimes. Mm. Not all the time. It's not no, no. You know, not not that weird. But um I do like not a hermit. Um but I, I do like um I like I see one of the things I like about my commute actually, although I although I dislike the actual commute, um mm. in terms of I just hate traffic. Um particularly on the bike, one of the things that I really love about it is um it's about half an hour where I don't have any music, I don't have any noise other than just well wind noise well, mm. what i can hear outside of earplugs um and my own thoughts really so i've said this to i think a few people have agreed with me on this over the over the on the podcast and stuff like that before having time to just sort of self reflect yeah and have that sort of time to think things through i find particularly in a morning commute i start thinking through my day in my head I start thinking about, oh, what am I doing today? Uh, what lessons have I got? What am I doing? What after-school clubs are on? What do I need to do for this? Oh, I need to make sure I follow this up. And when I arrive at work, I'm fresh. I'm ready to go. Whereas if I commuted in, in the car and was listening to just radio or Spotify or whatever the whole way in, I'd just be distracted and not really thinking about stuff. And I actually find the first half an hour of my working day, I get a load of stuff done. Lo- loads of stuff gets mm. done during that first half an hour. And the the way back, um, it's an interesting one because, you know, a lot of jobs have stress in at some point. Um, and what I like about the commute back home is I just do nothing. Mm. Like it's literally mm. just a, you know, like it just I just allow my mind to just not so much wonder because obviously you could die when you're on a motorbike. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say but, you're uh, definitely thinking about like where you're driving. <laughs> yeah, but it, because I do the same route over and over again, you kind of know the route. So all you're doing is looking out for people that are potentially going to kill you. And then <laughs> it's like the rest of it, you can just you can let your mind unwind. Um, and I do find uh, there's a lot to be said about this. I mean, like Josh, you've talked about like depression and stuff like that and like how mood changes and stuff. For me, um, like you obviously enjoy shooting and stuff like that. 20 minutes half an hour on a motorcycle for me lifts my mood like i don't know why i used to love cycling as a child so i do think there is an element of that like yeah that, i liked yeah, doing like cycling throughout the stuff. summer last year that that <clears throat> that really helped my endorphin levels like rise again and i must yeah. be honest like just even getting out just to see some friends like like i, I i'm just going to see my friends like i saw my friend uh, a few days ago krishna who's been on the podcast before um and just like we just, just chatting and catching up and like it, it you just like realize how much you miss that that person to person interactions and like for yep. me that really kind of like set me up for the rest of the evening it was brilliant yeah definitely and i think um i don't one of the things that i think is interesting like um when we think about going forwards and how things will change creatively and stuff like that is um 
I I will probably never take for granted now, like being able to go on like a photo walk and meet creatives, like you know the two of you or whatever, and and going for a walk and walk around the city and do like I don't know night portraits or something like that. Oh gosh, yeah. And then go around, and then <clears throat> end up in a pub. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the just, beautiful yeah. pastimes. Is... Yeah, and just not 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 to get smashed, you know. And like I'm, I'm no. like pre pre recording. No, you know, me and, me and, <laughs> Owen, t- yeah, me, me and you Owen were talking about like like the thought of going to a club just is like that's nah, the last so thing I want to do. Even yeah. for me as a twenty five year old, I don't like the idea of a club. I prefer yeah. a pub because you can you can yeah. hear you. Well, depends well, which you can pub have a you chat. You can have a chat. chat. You can have a you can have a, literally like and you can the, sit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the floor of, isn't sticky. Generally. One of, yeah. Oh my god. One of the events that I've run in the past, like in um, it was in November of twenty nineteen. I just vividly remember that, like, we literally finished the event. Actually, no, it wasn't even November that year. It was the year before, 2018. Uh, we finished the event in in Holland Park because, a bit early because of the rain. It just, like, flown in. We all rushed to the tube station next door at Holland Park. Literally jumped over to the nearest Weatherspoons, one stop down the line. And we completely took over the pub before the pub got busy. Like, there was literally, yep. like, 40, 50 of us in there. They, they must have taken at least two grand in, like, an hour. It was unreal. Yeah. And we've done similar stuff. I think all the best photography meets and stuff that I've ever done, I've started off doing the photography meet, and then it's been a, we're all going to here afterwards to mingle, talk about, show each other photos, that sort of stuff, swap Instagram handles, It makes whatever. people smile. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and that's the social aspect, I think, that a lot of people have missed over this last 18 months. And mm. that's what I'm most looking forward to being able to do when it's safe. And exactly. that's the thing for me is like I don't I don't care if that's in six months or eight months or nine months or ten months really until mm-hmm. it's safe to do it I don't really care I just want to make sure that when we are allowed to do it that we can keep doing it and that exactly. we don't you know sure. unlock too early or relax too early and then be and in let, the same let's, position let's we were last an, year let's not have another another eat out to help <clears> out this time I think I, th- I think if yeah. we're gonna if we're gonna do anything and we're promoting the, a good message on this podcast is probably the one that like you know we should be like you know improving our mental fitness our mental health you know and, and actually like building back our, our fitness because this country is going for a real big problem with obesity at the minute well and to be honest i think if we think about going ahead um and going beyond sort of the next six months or so mm. the next decade is going to be hard like it's going to be, know, very hard. Going to be hard financially the country is going to be paying for the the last 18 months for decades to come mm. Um, so there's going to be some financial hardship coming, and I think anybody that's not thinking and not expecting that is is not quite thinking they're, ahead. They're under, they're under a rock you still. Know, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think it's going to be difficult. You know, tax rates are going to go up, duties are going to go up, everything's going to cost more. Um, comparatively, we will become poorer as a society. Um, however, as long as we have the freedoms and as long as we've protected people's lives and uh and more important people's livelihoods as well um you know so as long as we've protected those sectors that are under fire so your hospitality sectors your creative sectors your theater and your arts as long as we've protected those so that they can continue to thrive in whatever circumstances we have in the next 10 years um because there is a real risk you know like i mean i think the rep in birmingham were talking about the fact that like they can survive for about another six months and that's Mm -hmm. it like I mean, they haven't look got at, any more look money. At the, look at the, sh- the, the cinemas like Cineworld. Like they're on the brink of collapse at the minute. Yeah. And it's because, you know, that unfortunately they've got large estates worth of, of, um, of you know, um, <clears throat> well, of, of retail, retail, uh, or retail space, space, you know, that can't be used. And there's no easy way of reopening that because of the way, you know, 
they don't make it's like um i was talking to somebody about this like because i was meant to be going on a cruise i said to you didn't i josh yes. in the summer and the cruise is cancelled P&O have been very open and said like we're going to cancel until the end of september the problem with that is is that you can't on one hand they're being blamed for cancelling too early but the reality is is that that sector can't operate at half capacity you know no. theaters can't operate at 50 percent capacity yeah. they don't make any money that's the you know so they're, they're, part, of, they're... part of the way that they're making their money is if we're taking something like a cinema for example they make their money on the food and the drinks that's why they're so expensive yeah. and like we complain about that but then when the cinemas were trying to reopen last year they were doing like five pound tickets that like seemed like completely mad out of like three four yeah. years ago when it was cheaper to go in it's it's a problem because i think as well those sectors like your you know your theaters your, your gigs, uh, mm, football, festivals, um, festivals. People are going to be nervous to go back to them in the droves that they were going back to them. So, what that means as well is those sectors will struggle, even if they were allowed to open up fully. Mm. And I, I do most... know that they've sold out quite a lot of the festivals this summer, so there's no hesitation. I mean, there's not there's yeah. not a I lot mean, fest- of hesitation. But festivals there is. are most festivals are outside, so that kind of helps because yeah. obviously transmission is relatively low but the but problem I think... is yeah when you get to the main stages like this so cramped yeah that there's shoulder no such... to shoulder aren't you mm. yeah i mean I, there was even talk like there was there was um talks about because um some festivals in um ibiza were considering um i've been uh being open and i know i know a few of my friends are going to them even i'm like eh, okay um <laughs> but uh but then um yeah there's even there was even talk about reading uh, glastonbury download and all the big ones over here that opening this i summer. don't think glastonbury will open this summer it's i well honestly for. i i don't i just don't think um any of them will be open this year i think next year will be the good yeah, that yeah. too. I think um, I think the government will probably put restrictions on size of of uh, gatherings so effectively. Mm, you know, like because yeah. they've already said, haven't they? Like half the capacity of Wembley is the aim, um, which mm. you know, there's no way. Isn't Wembley supposed at, to be like forty five? Forty five thousand. Yes, like but they're that, saying yeah. like yeah. So I mean, it just shows you that um, we're a way off. Uh, even when the unlocking happens and stuff in June, we're a way off normality. But I think most people would accept the fact that, okay, well, I'll take a small hit of something not being open yeah. to get most of normality back. Mm. And, you know, it's difficult because what they need to do then is, I mean, I, and I detest catchphrases. So obviously, Josh, mm. you talked about the build back better and stuff like that. Yeah, it it's, makes me it's one thing. It's one thing saying build back better, but what you've got to do is got to make sure that the people that need that support are support given is. the financial support they need. And obviously, as um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm assuming you come up. Are you? Do you come under as like self-employed? I am in self-employed, and because of the whole situation, I have to go. I had to apply for um for the bursary universal, universal credit. But then this year, I can because I couldn't do it last year because I just started in april 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can apply for the uh, self-employment. Um, yeah. scheme the grant so, thing yeah that's yeah because yeah, they've made a change now but obviously there's like a lost 3.3 million people like mm. yourself where you hadn't got three years of average earnings so mm. you couldn't prove that you were self-employed to, to no. all intents and purposes it's very no. difficult because you hadn't filed any taxes so it's like it's really difficult and um i think there's a lot of people uh that will and you know ultimately like like um 
uh, Josh, you'll remember Tom Bartley was talking about the fact that yeah. he had a really good year in 2019, like mm. a stunning year. But that was only one year out of his three where he made a big difference to his income. So then his his proportional earnings that you would have got from the grant were not as good as they should really have been because no. he's it's it's averaging where he was and the the amount of money he made in the final year before the pandemic was much better but it didn't count because it wasn't on his tax return because that I mean, hadn't it's, come it's, in. It's quite frightening really because my mum was saying to me the other day like you, you don't know how to kind of react to it but my mum uh, uh, for for most parts of last year and some parts of this year still uh, makes less money than I make in my role mm-hmm. and she's self-employed childminder and like technically she can have still like you know the key worker kids she's been able to work now since like the last time the, the 31st lockdown ended like she's not had many hiccups since like but she takes all the proper precautions she's not been going places when she doesn't need to with the kids like she'll, they'll go to the park because it's easy to social distance in the park the kids are fine for that but because of her the nature of her job she was very luckily uh like shortlisted to get the vaccine so now she's had her first vaccine just before they changed it to saying they're only going to focus on age groups again but she wouldn't be far Mm. behind anyway because she's in her 50s so she'll be still in line to get it Mm. probably not long not long after i think i don't know what the age is at the minute i'm not sure if they're still finishing the 60s at the minute i think they're still yeah this i think they're still um going for the 60s because my mum uh just got her first jab a a week or two ago and Mm. then so I think she's got another week or so, then she'll get her final jab in, um, in a bit. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'm kind of in that moment where I'm not even sure when I'll get my vaccine because obviously I'm I'm going to be 33 soon. Mm. And um, so am I going to be waiting until probably the summertime or if this my application goes through, then will I get it sooner? Done. It's just all up in the air right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a similar age uh, i mean um, we're not all as young as josh um, yeah no so, you make me feel a little bit younger again which actually yeah. is a very nice feeling so i'm i'm 37 this year so i'm i'll be in the 30s to 40s the same as you so it's um i, I think it's unlikely that i'll get it before before the the summer so i think it'll be july august time um mm. the 18s 18s to 29s are going to get it last obviously um yeah I'm basically they're going to get it basically around the week of my birthday i imagine yeah, it's because you're least important, Josh. You see, that's why. So, uh... <laughs> no, you know, you know, you know what? You're like, least likely. You're least likely to be I'm, seriously. I'm, 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 I'm completely. I'm completely fine with that, to be honest, because yeah. like I understand getting people inoculated at the top of the the food yeah. chain in terms yeah, of yeah, age yeah. groups actually is doing a, a world of benefit right now for hospitalisation yeah. at the minute. You've you've got to protect the most vulnerable people within society. So at, statistically, COVID looks like it's affecting older people more seriously oh it's mm. not to say that there aren't younger people that are getting really ill because there are but normally they no. have underlying health conditions um so yeah i mean you go in age order i did see a really funny tweet actually um, <laughs> which which talked about the fact that um it was all about the vaccine passports and stuff like that and then like it was somebody saying hang on you've made us locked down so you can vaccinate all the old people now the old people are allowed to go on holiday and we've got to stay here all <laughs> <about."> like, <laughs> which, <laughs> which i thought was quite funny yeah so, you know it's funny because it's mean, a yeah. joke but you get it sort of makes a little bit of sense yeah yeah i mean you know it's I, I can understand people's frustration but i think it's very difficult you know i think um testament to the nhs for rolling mm. out the vaccine the way they have um we're very better fortunate. with a uh, test and trace what that's supposed yeah, to be what yeah, being yeah. Seracote- well, <clears throat> yeah exactly and you know the test and trace system is an expensive 
private investment cock up let's be honest there's not much yeah. it's, be- it's better than now than it was that. at least nine months ago but like it's nowhere near where it should have been yeah but the bar was set pretty low wasn't it oh um, very low so very you know low. it was um it was one of those things and the nhs i you know testament my my dad used to work as a paramedic you know and uh, so i've kind of got first-hand experience of how hard nhs and ambulance staff and other public sector you know like police fire that sort of stuff yeah um the reality is is they do a fantastic job for our country and yes people will moan about Mm. the level of service and stuff like that sometimes but the reality is is that for what we pay in each person and get a lot out and the fact that we you know if if we are ill we get help um it's fantastic other countries aren't as fortunate as i was like yeah i I mean the u.s isn't exactly like one of those places where like it's a it's such a massive difference to like the third world countries they're so so far behind they're so far behind in like i mean when trump was obviously in position like he was talking about like you know like how they could build their own version of the nhs or like you know leech off of ours basically because i think that's the best way to put well it, he wanted leech. he wanted to put american contracts in uh, contracts into the nhs but what's interesting mm-hmm. is um like canada is a good example of where they have universal health and stuff mm-hmm. like that you yes know? So yeah it, it is interesting where it shows you that in because a lot of people countries. just assume the nhs is like a one-off and don't get me wrong it is a one-off in terms of it was the first of its kind oh yeah yeah um but it is a model that other countries have borrowed, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like in Canada, for example, you don't even pay for dental treatment, like standard routine oh, checkups, that's mad. you don't pay for them. So uh, optical care, you don't pay for, you know, it's that sort of stuff. So oh, it, it is, hurts it me is when interesting. I don't pay for my eye test. It like takes less than 10 minutes and they take 28 yeah. pounds off me. Oh, yeah. Going to, <laughs> going, to a, going to a, going to a dentist for a checkup and it's like, um, 60 to 70 quid yeah oh yeah exactly it's 28 pound 30 for a minute and a half in the chair you know like like, (laughs) yeah oh okay that's that's a really blimey you you could get a lot uh, yes there's a lot of professions that earn less than that you know what i mean like it's um and i get that you know it's and that's subsidized by the nhs you Mm. know so the the price that the dentist is claiming ultimately if it's a private dentist is is a lot more um yeah you do put it puts you in it puts it in perspective really like how well off we are like like even when we was in the eu with the e-hit card like how well off we had you know connections to europe with like healthcare like well now, it's gonna be very different well no it's not because we've got a global health insurance card so a g-hic so when your <laughs> e-hic expires we get a g-hic and the GHIC gives us exactly the same rights in Europe for medical oh, care. Man. So there's no there's no difference. So it's reciprocated. Yeah, funny enough. Yeah, I just I got that as well. So just oh, oh, there you go. Mm, there you go. Maybe I need to get one. So the GHIC. So eHIC works until you've um, until it expires anyway. So because um, there was a lot of people panic reapplying for eHICs like in the last last because uh, they last for two or three years, I think it is. I heard about that. Yeah. And um, and it's just one of those things where a lot of the scaremongering. Um, and I mean, me and Josh have had conversations previously where a hundred percent, um, I'm a remainer. Like I want to um, be, um, yeah. I want to be in Europe, but Same. the reality, the reality, yeah, the reality is, is a lot of the scaremongering that happened about, Oh, if we leave this will happen immediately, a lot of it won't because no. we benefit from a reciprocal agreement in Europe. So, mm. um, 
not a good you know, deal things... as much as Trees I mean, May was getting out of yeah, them. There is there is one benefit is that if I get done for speeding by a camera in France now, then the systems aren't linked, so I don't get a fine, which is really <laughs> good. Uh, but if I get caught by the police, I'll probably go in, the, in a jail cell, probably. So uh, mm. yeah, it's it's just one of those things. So different things, yank. yeah, different things have, have have benefited and drawbacks. So it gives us some freedoms. I do get that. Um, so we could do a, like we could change our licensing for vehicles and. And motorcycles and cars and stuff like that. We could change the way that licenses work because, to be honest, like the motorcycle licensing infrastructure in the UK and Europe is bizarre. Oh, like yeah. you have to take a test if you say if you were nineteen, you take a test on a bike with a limited power. What would have traditionally happened in the UK pre-Europe is you would um, take the test and you'd be restricted on power for two years. And after two years, you could take the restriction away and ride whatever you wanted because you've got experience. Now you have to take the test and then two years later, take the same test on a different bike <laughs> to prove that you can still do the things that you could do previously. Oh, so that's such a... it's very, very bizarre. I mean, I'm old enough that it doesn't apply to me because if you're over 24, they don't care. You can seemingly just do one test and that's they're all good with that. So, mm. um but yeah, I, it's just one of those things. So it'll give us some freedoms, but then equally, we only have to look at the fiasco with the borders and stuff like that. It's caused some grief, um, and I think nobody expected it to be smooth. No, like, and no, you know, of course and, not. And I, I am very much, you know, I mean, clearly it was a very close decision in terms of you know in or out, and um, it's a sore know, point. The the reality is, I'm not. I'm very much. Uh, if we're talking about sort of Europe and stuff like that, like the fact is, there was a vote. Regardless of whether the vote, whether people feel that the vote wasn't um, accurate, or people were lied to, or people didn't educate themselves enough at the time, the reality is we had a vote. We're a democracy. That's what people decided. Now, if mm. people didn't make an informed decision, then that's that's it's very okay. difficult. Like that's you can't just say, "Well, I want another vote because I didn't get the result I wanted." Because that's same, not how democracy it's, works. It's the same reason True. that people like spitting out fake news about like, about the vaccines yeah. and stuff like that. Like if you do yeah. your research. There's, yeah. there's no one else to blame other than yourself when you make your vote. Yeah. No, but then they tell you, do the research. It's just like, what, so follow the, another herd of sheep? Oh, yeah. oh God, <laughs> yeah, that whole... I hate people like that at the minute. There, there's yeah. so many tossers on the internet that do that. It's also it's also really difficult as well because, you know, the problem is as well is a lot of people, let's be absolutely clear here, it's difficult to know what you should and shouldn't believe on the internet. So mm. when you do your research, you look at data that you think is accurate, is real, is reliable... And actually, the half the problem is is that a lot of the stuff we read is either, you know, heavily um, you Bias. know, biased or pushed pushed towards one viewpoint in uh, one parts, way, shape, parts, cut, parts cut out to, you know, to import, evoke important elements removed. You know that sort of stuff, and it is difficult because you know if you're not educated on a particular area, you know, like most people aren't bioscientists. So actually, the reality is is that we have to look at lots of different sources of information. Europe was very similar. You know, the fact that we had this massive tour bus going around saying it's three hundred and fifty million pound a week mm. that we could save. Well, no, we can't. And most people that had done any research knew that actually, the money that they were saying we could save, and particularly things like foreign aid, was one of my sticking points. Like you know, as a country who is fairly well off, and we've got a good standard of living in our country, uh, to turn around and go, oh, we're going to stop supporting countries that. That aren't aren't you know financially stable aren't um, aren't able to have their citizens living at a good standard etc etc or supporting war torn uh, countries that need support in rebuilding because um, it, it's it kind of part of Afghanistan's stuff. There's a, there's a moral stance there which is difficult and it's it's a difficult situation and um, I think it, the one thing that is a sticking point for some people is that the government do sometimes give 
loads of money away when seemingly it's needed at home first. Like it's it's one of the reasons why I prefer charities like Children in Need, where they focus on home first, and then yeah. if there's a need, if there's money still left, they'll go abroad with it because ultimately in this country we've got so many people who um, their children are their carers of the, the, the carers of carers of parents. Um, children don't have a life that is even comparable to somebody. Um, you know, like a few miles away from them. Like, I, 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 for all I know, there could be someone down the road from me who is in a worse off situation, making making paycheck to paycheck, and I wouldn't even know. But, like, for somebody on the telly showing me somebody in Africa who's who's who can't even build, bo- uh, you know, proper muscle structure because they're not getting fed properly. Like, you can't... You see that and you think, well, that must be the bigger, the bigger one to put the money to. But really, in my mind, it's... You start, you start, uh, charity starts at home. It's, it's fundamental as that. Then what else you've got can go further than that. Like just taking people off the streets was a big issue in the lockdowns last, last year. Well, I mean, that's why there's other charities like UNICEF and yeah. uh, that would focus on separate charities. Save the children. And other things. So, yeah, it's just like, you just need to know like, you know, where you put your money in. And um, yeah, that's just basically what it is mm. it's a difficult one I, I one of the things that was interesting when we're talking about you know um dip, people who are deprived and stuff like that within society uh, one of the things that they came up with um one of the big selling points for reopening education was that um there's something like three million vulnerable children mm. uh, that are living at home at risk and i was like well, hang on. The bigger problem here is that there's three million at-risk children. Why haven't we sorted that out as a society? Why are if you know if they're at risk of violence in their home, why are they in their home? It just shows you, know, you that, 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 that that's the the money that's going into local authorities around the country isn't being either it's even not enough or it's not being used properly in the right places. It's difficult as well because I think the the problem is is that joined up thinking, isn't it? So you need. You need local authorities that have got the funding to be able to speak with the the schools and the colleges and whatever else that know that things aren't right. But actually, it's quite hard for individual schools and colleges to get that support. Like it's because obviously the local authority has been pulled at by so many different people, mm. um, and it's it's really difficult. Um, and that's why I think children's services in big big local authorities like Birmingham and Sandwell have really struggled to cope with like safeguarding of children over the years because mm. there's just so many children whose households and, and living conditions are not right and okay. it's difficult to support all of them and at some point there's always going to be something that slips through always yeah. it's the yeah, problem it's that... the problem it's the problem that birmingham city council have had for years with childcare. like they i don't know where they rank if there's a, even a ranking that's you know external to the public to see but I'm I'm very sure that like the childcare system that Birmingham City Council ran for many years was always very near the bottom of the barrel because, in the same respects as the as the bin service in Birmingham, that they just weren't being supported properly, they weren't being funded properly, which meant that people have they had, people have bins overflowing with with like you looked at two sides of the road, one was one council, one was Birmingham Council, and you knew which one was doing the better job and oh, which yeah, one's yeah. it better well, like. Hale Zone and Birmingham crossing over, like Hale Zone yeah. being Dudley Borough, and yeah. like you can just see one side of the road completely clean, other side of the road borderline disgusting with insects. You know, yeah. it just yeah. shows you where they're not they're not pushing the money right or the right they're not employing the right people to do the jobs properly. Yeah, definitely, and I think um, I mean I work in Birmingham, so the bin strikes and stuff like that I saw 
firsthand. Like I'd be driving to work and there'd be rubbish piling into the roads. Disgusting. Um, yeah. You know, and it was like, and it was it was rubbish that had been there for three months. You know, on some occasions, and it was like, oh dear. Um, and obviously, you know, there was a lot, and there was there were community projects set up to try and remove the rubbish. But then, obviously, the tips weren't capable of processing no. thousands and thousands of people's worth of rubbish because then normally they would be supplementary. Um, so it is interesting, but I think, like on the whole, I think that most um, most local councils, or I would say, like my local council, is pretty good at what it does. Like, mm. I don't get me wrong. I mean, I think every council has areas that could improve on, but that, oh, gosh, that's, yeah. that's kind of that's part and parcel of having something that's in charge of so much. Like, it's always going to have areas that it needs. It's to neither be here on. or neither there, is it? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at any big company, you know, like if you look at Microsoft, Google, Apple, whatever, there's always things that they don't do that right. No. But generally speaking, there's a lot that they do right. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it is one of those things. But it's, it's yeah. funny because you look, you do look at like you, like if we're talking like technology, like to kind of I guess push the conversation over to the technology stuff that we wanted to talk about before we finish up. Like, I think a good point of of a lot of these companies is that a lot of a lot of the stuff that like they 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 give you to use just works and obviously like people don't go too far into the details of like why they work and why they're free we all know obviously the the, the pivotal one about being a user of you know google youtube and that you're the products not their not their products is your pro is the you, you know the the, the the naming scheme for what is what um but i think well, the, that, reali- like, the reality is is your data yeah. is their product yeah. That's, that's it. They make money from your data, your and viewing I, and habits. I, and your I don't adverts. hate on that as much. I feel I think it, privacy in tech is a very big sticking point. But for many people, generally speaking, it's not an issue because you, if you, if you're aware of what you're putting out there and how much they're taking from you, then you're you can sit, you know, sleep better at night knowing that you're not just basic. It's essentially the same thing as like going around like your workplace or going around a school college and putting up posters of all your personal information putting photos of when you when you had good times with friends of that it, it it tells you like what do you really want to put out there physically and what do you want to put out there digitally in that respect mm. so mm. for me when it comes to that kind of thing like i'm happy to have my data you know in better pro- if it betters a product for me that's a big sticking point for me that's where i'm happy with it but if it's not, then I don't want to be part of that co- that, that, that company's you know backbone and everything. Like Gmail oh. is is a is a core service that I use every week in my in, in my own life. I use Microsoft products that is obviously not fundamentally uh, paid for by me. Obviously the workplace like you with John as well, and you know mm-hmm. using Apple products like we all here use Apple products. Um, some who who have really rejoined a lot of the Apple ecosystem in the last year because of yep. very val- valid reasons, I imagine as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much one of those a firm believer when we think about tech and when we think about um, the benefits that giving up a bit of our privacy. So mm-hmm. most people don't realize like when I show people like their um, their Google timeline, so it tracks where they've been and um, whether they've been walking, cycling, driving, whatever that sort of stuff. They're like, <laughs> oh, hang scary. on, you know. And I'm like, yeah, look, and here's my cruise from last summer, or you know, whatever. And, and they can see that I've bobbed around the ocean for a fortnight, you know, whatever. And they're like, it tracks all that. And I'm like, yeah. And, I, and it, doesn't that bother you? No. No. Because then when, <laughs> Google, cause when Google turns around and goes, it's going to take you 11, uh, 11 minutes longer to get home tonight. Well, that's convenient. That's helpful. That allows me to know that it's going to take me longer to get home. Because there's nothing Some more people... scarier than coming down, you know where I'm about, like coming down that hit, coming yeah, down yeah, the hill yeah. to the island, and you yeah, can just yeah. see across the island the traffic, massive traffic building up down yeah. towards Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. And oh. it's just, it's one of those things where you just think like, it's it's kind of, 
I'm happy to give up a little bit of my privacy and my data mm. to better the services that I use. Now, one of the interesting things is, is like you talked about, didn't you, Josh, how um, I've transferred back into the Apple ecosystem over the last 12 months. So mm. um, I was Android and Microsoft and stuff like that, and I've transitioned my way over uh, back to an iPhone 12 mini and a MacBook M1 and an iPad Pro. So I have gone... Full balls Apple again. deep, yeah, balls deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the reason, and I, you know, a lot of people at work ask me this as well. They go, "What would you recommend for anyone that wants to get a phone or whatever?" And I just go, "Just get an iPhone." And they're like, "Why?" I mean, because it just works. Like it just works. Like you don't have apps crashing. You don't have uh, random crap in the Play Store. You don't have all that stuff that you associate with oh, Android products, or, or just yeah. or just no updates. You know, like if you've got a phone and the manufacturer's just gone, yeah, we're good now. Don't want to give any more updates. At least with an Apple product, uh, whilst it's physically able to support iOS to v- whatever version it is, you know, two versions mm. on or whatever, you're going to get the updates. It's funny because the I- technology channels are literally like congratulating Samsung right now for being actually better than Google in software updates. Mm. I'm just like. Apple, uh, literally, it's, it's that it's that thing, isn't it, where it's like, uh, oh, look at me, I'm amazing. Hold my beer. Mm. I mean, Basically, I, Apple I, telling Samsung to hold their beer. I even used um, Google One products, and the idea with Google One products was that you got uh, basically the most core Android experience, like a Pixel, where then you got monthly security roll-ups. Oh, yeah. And it started off quite well. But then those monthly security updates just turned into six-week and then eight-week security updates. Then it was like, and then all of a sudden, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes, you know, um, lots of products don't get software updates and stuff. That's absolutely fine. But Intuit is so so critical. And I think one of those things where, you know, we deal with so much personal information on these things. Mm. Um, You know, we deal with all our banking stuff and everything like that. Then that's kind of fundamentally important that they're updated on a regular. And I have to say, the big thing for me... Now I'm sort of like a couple of months into full integration in the Apple ecosystem again. Things like, you know, having the ability to sidecar an iPad next to a, a MacBook, airdropping stuff between devices, taking phone calls on my laptop so I don't ever have to look at my screen on my phone. I can just answer a call whilst I'm typing something up. All those things just make sense, but you pay a premium for that. And oh, you yes. do pay a premium. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, a combination of what the MacBook, the iPad, and the and the phone. You're talking three, three and a half grand. Not exactly small change. However, I would fully expect, based on the fact that my ma- last MacBook lasted over ten years, mm. um, I'm fully expecting that it's an investment rather than just a exactly. Oh, here's a laptop that's going to last two years and I have to replace. Here's a phone that will only last me to the mm. end of my contract. It's what I was um, saying to you when we were doing the podcast at the space, uh, the the Get the Shot podcast right at the start. Like it's for me, it's it's always still been the same thing. It's been investment and ease of use that brings me back to those things. I mean, the usability side of of Apple. Um, don't be wrong. There is still some really really dodgy crap that they oh, do yeah, need yeah. to sort. However, I mean, I would mean, have um, definitely spoke about that in the past with things just going wrong. Yeah, and there is there is some usability stuff like like why is why is iPad OS still so limiting on a device that's so powerful that I could clearly use the the iPad Pro as a desktop replacement. As a matter of fact, now especially now we've got M1 Max, why can it not run uh, Big Sur? Why? Why can I not run a full desktop OS on it with the pencil? I guess that's a whole a other conversation to have, definitely. Like, there's there's four. Oh yeah. There's definitely a for and against it, and I'm kind yeah. of 
leaning to the against having it because I think there's I think that's where that product category thrives being not a hundred percent Mac. You know, it's probably it's it's actually something that I read about earlier on in the week that like if it wasn't for iOS, Mac wouldn't be as good as it is now because I ultimately Mac OS. Um, at the time of iOS coming a thing, it was basically a, a complete stripped down version of of Mac. It was on iPhone, and now really they've 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 kind of integrated the two in a way without completely making it a seamless experience. Yeah, so like um, notification center on the Big Sur is basically iPhone. It's it's um, a lot more organized, a lot better. Yeah, everything's like grouped together and stuff like that. There's still things that it can't do that you just wish it could do natively out of the box. So like my big thing from coming from Windows, like snapping Windows. Like genuinely, like how is that not a thing on Mac OS in twenty twenty one? Oh god. Like how is that not a thing? Why do I have to pay ninety nine P for an add on that <laughs> lets me lets me basically position my Windows on my laptop? Like that is that is just madness. But I would say the upshot of that is though, is that Whereas Windows provides a lot of the functionality, I think Mac leaves leaves a lot of imagination for developers. Yeah, yeah, and like uh, I'm sure um, I don't. Owen, do you use Mac for your? Yeah, laptop? I got an iMac and then I got yeah. a uh, 12 Pro. So yeah, so one of the one of the things that I I really like one of the apps that I used for a long time, all the way from early days of Mac OS, was um, an app called Caffeine, which I now use one called mm. Amphetamine because it's been replaced. And um, just the ability to just not let your computer to go to sleep. So, like, if you're at work all day and you don't want it to, you know, go to sleep when you walk away from it, um, so that it still looks like you're busy. Oh, um, the creatives when you're editing a video, bloody hell! Yeah, exactly. Anything like because if you're on battery power particularly and it just turns off midway through, that's very frustrating. So um, you just hit a button, and I've I now like amphetamine. Like you're right, Josh, in what you were saying. Like not having that core functionality built into the OS does give you a bit more flexibility so now for example i've got a routine that means that from uh seven in the morning till uh nine at night it just doesn't sleep so it just never goes to sleep so then that way i know that during any part of my working day plus my evening work time my computer won't turn off brilliant which is great um and to put into context because i know uh josh we were talking about um m1 silicon i'll just touch on this briefly in case anyone that's listening is like oh i'm unsure whether to go for a mac m1 um, mm. I was fully charged on my Mac at the start of this uh, this podcast. How long have we been going? Oh. Uh, an hour or maybe... I, I say it's probably close to 90 minutes nearly. Okay, so an hour and a half, and I've used 30% of my battery, that's all. Wow. And I've been using... I've been live streaming off uh, my webcam, uh, a uh, microphone plugged through a USB interface that's been powered off the Mac, wow. and uh, headphones. And uh, pretty bright screen brightness as well. So, and Wi-Fi. So it's um, yeah, I've had comfortably over over fourteen hours of usage on a single charge on this. Pretty much bang on what they actually promised you. It's phenomenal. Like I cannot cannot get over how much how long this keeps going for. Like I mean, back in the day, my original MacBook was good in comparison to Windows laptops, but this is next level. Like even good Windows laptops. Don't come close. Like no, you're right. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> thinking of why I left Windows behind years ago, yeah. if you if you're thinking of buying a MacBook and you're not sure whether you should go Intel or you should go M1, go M1. <laughs> like, Intel Intel's in the dumpster now. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, the the advantages. And don't be wrong, there are things that you can tell. There are still things that are running slightly below native speed because they're being translated, but they're still not slow. 
Like no. they're still as quick. The only app that I've actually had, and it's annoying because it's one of the core apps that I use that's not <laughs> optimized for M1 that does seem a bit sluggish. And I think it's just the sheer complexity of the app is OneDrive. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's constantly checking for file changes and it's constantly running Rosetta code in the background. But yeah. um, generally speaking, it's pretty good. And like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, um, Chrome, um, Photoshop, even Chrome, man, even uh, Chrome. Lightroom. Everything is optimized now, really, pretty much. Uh, Lightroom Classic, which is what all photographers will want, that isn't optimized yet, but it's coming. Adobe have committed to doing it, and they'll they'll want to do it because it means once they've done it on the Mac, it'll work on iPads, it'll work on iPhones. That's the benefits. Everything. So that's that's the big thing that's going to make a difference. And like the ability to run like um, like I run LumaFusion on my Mac M1. That's good. I love like, LumaFusion. So I've bought it once. I run it everywhere, which is great. You it's know, probably so, it's probably one of the apps that you'll probably get uh, a bit more accustomed to own at some point. I imagine doing editing. It's good. It is yeah, good. You know, I mean, obviously, getting more and more, um, you know, mobile filmmaking and photography kits. Like, I just got an uh, anamorphic lens, and I just bought last night a uh, a gimbal stabilizer from FreeFly, which I'm so excited to use. So yeah, tell us yeah. about tell us about your recent investments because, like, honestly, there's been so many. Like, you've had like, basically just a fuck off, just do it. Kind of no, well, well, that's the thing. Like you know, the past year, like I, you know, I, if I, if someone said to me, like, how's how's this, how's it been this year so far compared to last year, and I was like, it, it's it's a night and day comparison. Um, pretty much the start of the year, I just kind of said to myself, like, I had a major like fuck it mentality. Like I just go, <laughs> well, the past couple of years, like working in a, in a retail shop, an outdoor shop, you know, I've always worked for the benefit of others rather than myself. Exactly. Then, exactly. And then, you know, I kept saying I was going to do this and I was going to do this and I just never, you know, ha- you know, got around to doing it. So, you know, recently... It's always one of the life's, life's biggest problems, isn't it? Like saying you want to do something is part of, is, is the easy part. Actually yeah, executing it, it and actually like like putting money down for something or saying yes that you're going to do something and actually then going and doing it. It's a whole other yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. And then you, you just have to think to yourself, like, I just need to take the risk. And because you're always thinking about, oh, if I'm going to spend so much money on this and you just have to go, fuck it. If this is what I want to do, you need to do it. And so that's why, you know, invested on, you know, a 12 Pro and then I've got all these lenses, filter mounts and this and that. Um, and I've just like last night, I just bought a... Um, you know, a free fly uh, movie cinema robot stabilizer, which will definitely help with, um, you know, the filmmaking side of things. And also bought a Cinebloom filter, which I was going to originally get Ooh. last time. So I'm finally going to go it. So I'm finally getting it. And that will ship in early April. So I'm, I'm more than willing to wait that long for it. Um, oh, fantastic. So yeah, I mean, there's obviously still more and more stuff that I want to get. Like, I definitely want to invest in, you know, a new tripod because the one they have on the moment it, by Peak Design is so good, but they are quite pricey. So that's something yeah. I'll have. To, so that's something I'll probably save up a little bit, and then obviously gonna get. Ooh. Yes, I was thinking of getting a um that's an Osmo Mobile Three. Is that what Osmo. it is? This is yeah. Yep. So I was thinking of that, but I looked at the comp- uh, compatibility list for my case lens and everything else. Like it just wasn't going to do yeah. it. On my, Ooh. I had a OnePlus Seven T, I think it was, um, before my iPhone, yeah. and it was a really big phone. Like it was Ooh. like a six point nine inch screen, I think, or something. <sighs> That's but it was a day. It was a twenty by nine ratio, so it was Shit. really tall but quite narrow, and. Um, 
the problem that I had with this was uh, it was so long that the center of gravity was skewed. Oh, so gosh. I, it struggled. I mean, don't get me wrong. It did it. It just struggled a little bit with um, mm. with the weight. Uh, but the iPhone 12 mini on that is sublime. Like, it just... Because this oh, is so works. light. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I love... Um, the thing I because I miss because you got have you got the pro so you got the three lenses haven't you have you got three yeah, lenses so. yeah and the lidar so, oh. yeah so see lidar is an interesting one it's one of those things where like on the iPad Pro I'm not really that bothered about I tell you what I do love though I use this ultra wide lens mm. so much more than I ever anticipated ultra um, wide I absolutely would love that because I've only got and the I take 10S. I take a lot of photos this way. Yeah, I see a lot. Of so, people, I see a lot of people right. doing that now. It's really so, like a random uh, for the trend. Be- for the benefit of the listeners, I'm now holding my phone upside down. Yes. But I'm. I do find because the problem that I find because it's so wide. If I hold it this way, my finger is in the shot a lot oh, of the yeah. time. So if I flick it that way and hold it like sort of like that, and then just push the uh, push the the shutter button on the screen, which is then at the top, ah, um, because right. it doesn't rotate the whole. Things. So it means that you can tap at the top of the screen, which is now the bottom, obviously, effectively. Um, and it means that you can get really low to the ground as well. So if you're on a gimbal as you well. You did that like, before as well, when we was out shooting um, yeah, in the yeah. local so park. Get, yeah. yeah, so get really low to the ground, lots of depth of field. Um, and I have to be honest, like on paper, the, the cameras on, uh, on the, the iPhone are not as good as the OnePlus. But honestly, I can't tell. Like, the software is clearly doing such a good job. Like, smart it's got HDR. To be, it's got to is... be both, hasn't it? It's it's the it's the argument that we've we've had with Apple for years. The it's all about software and hardware, the you the, the working together. Yeah. and the working together, the synergy that it's 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 a synergy pie. Like everyone loves a loves to dunk into that pie because it's so like inviting and rich. It's it's one of those things and like obviously we're all iPhone users currently now, yeah. yeah. I love Android because sometimes they just do something really fucking crazy. Like yeah. they just go, Oh, we're just gonna put a five times macro lens on the, this phone and mm. like you know, and you just think like okay, I'm gonna take two photos in my entire life that would need that, but you know it's, it's, it's fun, nice to but be then able it's to like do it. reality change. You know, my friend bought a um a Nokia PureView 9 about three years ago, and it had, you know, eight cameras or something ridiculous oh, on Oh, God. Back. Was it that one that and... gave people, like, the weirded out effect? Well, none of, them, yeah. none of them were... They were all wide angle, so they oh. were all different focal lengths, basically, nah. but they, none of them did, like, macro, telephoto, nothing like that. So basically, Oh, no, I, I'd be freaked out by that. Well, the benefit with it was is it gave immense photos. Like, mm. honestly, like, he took a photo at Disneyland Paris, I think it was, at sunset, backlit... And the dynamic range in the photo was phenomenal. However, <laughs> the however part, yes. However, okay, it's you good, take a but... photo. It'd take a minute to process the photo oh, easily, God. okay, that's, because that's... there was so much data coming off all the lenses. That ticked me off. Now, it didn't would. stop you using the. It didn't stop you using the, the the phone. You know, you could carry on using the phone, but eventually, if you kept taking photos, it'd grind to a halt. Oh, sure. And um, and it was very unflexible. Unflexible, yeah, inflexible. Uh, it was, um, it was very inflexible because it became very redundant immediately. Well, you didn't have telephoto, you didn't have ultra wide, you didn't have so you know, it, like for example, there was a specialist black and white lens on the oh, camera, like, oh, like a lycra lens or some sort, yeah, which yeah. is which is lovely. Um, and it gave beautiful photos in black and white, <laughs> but again, like most of these things, you know, like I've got two lenses on my on my latest iPhone, one is a wide, which isn't really wide, it's normal. 
and one is ultra wide, which is actually really wide. It's like half, you know, zero point five times zoom, so it's it's very wide. Um, but the thing that I find amazing is the fact that those two lenses have covered me for every eventuality. And actually, I never used to use digital zoom because, you know, it, it, five years ago, digital zoom was like looking at a potato. But oh, it's now, terrific, yeah. yeah, now use it, use five times digital zoom or six times digital zoom with the algorithms and the software they're using. You get pretty good results, to be honest. Like, you know, you can, I mean, don't be me wrong. You're not going to frame it in the the Tate or anything, but no, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going to be it's going to be um, it's good enough to record a memory. That's I think that, and that's the crucial thing for me is that almost ninety nine percent of the people that are going to use these devices are doing it purely to record a moment. Like that's that's it. Like you know, they're taking a photo of their child's first steps or a video of their child's first steps or their taking a photos on a stag party or or they're doing so you know they're all moments in people's lives and that's the that's the great thing with these because actually how many people would take a camera like a proper camera to a stag do no, no. well one one of the people that went to my stag do did and it got absolutely destroyed oh shit. at a pink at, at, at um uh what was it called bounce the ping pong oh, club God. in london um, was it Bounce? I think it was called Bounce, or it might have been called Pong. I can't remember. What it was <laughs> anyway, people that are in London will know what it is. It's like a ping pong club in, um, I think it's in like Shoreditch or somewhere. I don't know where it is. Sounds about the right sort of vibe for yeah. it. Something like that. Anyway, really good fun. But the guy that came with me, that he's a photography teacher, as it happens. Uh, the guy that came with me and um, and took his camera smashed it off the end of the uh, the ping pong table whilst he was trying to take photos when everyone was. <laughs> Slightly merry, um, uh, and, slightly uh, merry or very it was merry. Just, yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I can't. I haven't got much recollection of that night, if I'm honest. But anyway, um, so, um, but yes, yeah, so it's one of those things. So I just think um, it's kind of it's it's an interesting thing where technology is is advancing at a rate that's quite impressive. I mean, we've I think we went through a phase where mobile phones plateaued, and I think they have certainly. What's, what's, to a what certain is that? There's, there's, a, there's a certain law that we, got Moore's law. Moore's you? law, yeah, isn't it? So like, yeah. So that's that's kind of rung true for a long time, but especially with Intel chips, um, where you know oh, every gosh. every every year the performance has doubled, or you know the capability has doubled. And then you look at M1, um, and it makes massive leaps. Well, it, it does. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still Intel chips that will outperform. M1 chips and stuff. Yes. But what's interesting is that we've come down this this line now where we've changed the game a little bit. We've suddenly realised that actually just carrying on at the same stuff, and Intel have struggled in recent years. And I think uh, Josh, I shared a video with you previously about this about the fact they invested um, something like thirteen billion dollars, and at the same time, at the same time, AMD only invested one point eight billion dollars in research, and yet AMD. Have come out with a set of chips that's smaller, much better, more powerful, uses less power, and is better for gaming, which has always been Intel's strong category. Like, it's oh been yeah, the, the one they, thing. when they bought out MS, uh, when they brought out um, ATI years ago as well, that's mad. Yeah. So they were the front runner in gaming te- in gaming uh, graphics, weren't they? For years, ATI. Yeah. So obviously, uh, AMD, you know, for a long time, have always been seen as sort of like the uh, the peasant 
processor um, <laughs> for a long time. I, I hope I don't offend anyone with that, but no, no, you know, no. um, they are. Um, they were always seen as like if you couldn't afford an Intel, you got an AMD. It's basically the same situation um, with Amazon and eBay. Like if you can't afford the full price on Amazon, go on eBay and get it for a cheap mate. You can yeah, surely exactly. find it. Exactly, or Wish dot com or something. Yeah, oh so god! Uh, oh god! That gives me oh god. gives me yeah. bad feels thinking yeah. about Wish. Oh god! Yeah. It's like, but it's one of those things where you just kind of, you know. You kind of you can kind of understand how Intel they dominated for so long that they became complacent. Yeah. You know, if Apple, it's, it's basically ha- what Canon have done in years yeah. as well. Yeah. So, well, Canon did the same sort of thing. Now, they've now, kind of Canon, they've, they've kind of come a bit more round to the yeah. realization. Canon, Canon is a good example, isn't it, of a company who was on the brink of being left behind. Yeah. But realized soon enough that they had to switch. They already got left behind in the printer industry years ago by HP yeah. and 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 Jess, uh, not Jess, Jess was in this shop. Uh, was it um, Epson. Was it Epson and what's the other one called? Uh, begins with L. Uh, well, I wouldn't say Lexmark if that's the one you're thinking of, but I don't know. Maybe I was thinking of them. I don't yeah. know. But there's there's Epson, and then you've got like Kyocera and people like that, and Xerox and stuff like that. But um, it's just interesting where you've kind of you've got this situation where companies sometimes in a dominant position think, "Oh, we'll just carry on. We'll just carry on. We're good." We're it's good. why it's places why it's part of the reason why in our shopping industry on the high street, Demonens and BHS have both completely. Yep. I mean, if they didn't know, adapt. BHS, British home stores, they just didn't adapt. Like actually, you could you could argue that uh, a lot of the the Arcadian would would have got yep. better off if that was the case as well. I yeah, would definitely. say I would say that I always prefer to go to a shop as opposed to go online if they're on the high street. Like a good example right now of the change in the industry is actually Amazon have just opened up their very first uh till oh, the Amazon shop Fresh. in the UK and mm. I know after lockdown's finished and I'm allowed to go out of local area I'm going to go and check it out because it is the biggest geeky thing I can think of that's mm. in in a in a in a complete perspective where I have to go to it to check it out, like you remember yeah, the when they first announced it in America, it looked like such a like a amazing thing. Yeah, so people in America will know it as Amazon Go. Um, in the UK, it's called Amazon Fresh, and um, basically the idea is for those people that have no idea what we're on about, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you didn't think that Amazon was invested in your life enough already, um, <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> Amazon can now run a shop where they don't need any shop people. So all they Technically, they to... have. I think the best. Yeah, they do. The, the way the way that they've described it, I think actually is is a lot more easing than like like robots replacing people in some places. Yeah. So what you've got the case what of you've like got is employees yeah, be- do different jobs, yeah. don't they? Behind behind the the shelves, they stock from behind. Mm. So they stock from behind and push the stock to the front, basically. Which is a good um, idea. It's clever. It is clever. And they do that in a lot in I think in American shops anyway, quite often anyway, if they're designed specifically mm. for that purpose. Uh, to be um, fair, you may be like you know, because Owen's obviously been it's been quite a you know, a seasoned traveller. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen, you know, different layouts and different styles of, you know, places like shops in America. Yeah, I mean it's just like, you know, with North America they do their certain way and then obviously living in New Zealand and Australia they have like similar ways but they do their own sort of thing as well so it's just there's so many ways that you could just you know like design a shop in a certain way so <clears throat> and then you've got aldi and Lidl that throw your shopping at you <laughs> but yeah, so, um yeah. but yeah so it's one of those things where it's a clever system because it it basically uses thousands of cameras doesn't it to scan everything in the shop and identify mm, rfid you technology you, yeah yeah to use you as a um 
as a as an individual because you scan in with your Amazon account when you come in on your phone, and then basically you just pick stuff up, put it in your bag, and, and put it and put it in your rucksack or in your pockets, and leave. And when you leave, it bills you for what you've taken. And they're so confident in the technology that they reckon you don't even need to check because if if something hasn't been picked up, they don't care. I mean, they like, would have launched. I don't think they'd have launched it in the UK if they wasn't confident with how well it went in America. They're confident anyway, because like even the stuff that they did in America, like they did trials where like and loads of YouTubers did it early on. Like they were like, let's see if we can steal something that they can't pick up. And they, <laughs> literally, as soon, yeah. as soon as it leaves the shelf, you build. Like it's as soon as it leaves the shelf, you build, and then if you put it back, it takes it off your bill. It's very clever. It, it also is very is, very clever. I think actually will fix one of the most annoying things for probably someone who works in retail is that when people put stuff on other shelves. Like if you put it on another shelf, it's it's completely the wrong place for it to be identified. Oh, my my, right OCD, my yeah my OCD like just goes off the charts. Like when I used to work in retail, I like, just see something there. Oh, no, they yeah. put they put it on the wrong part of the shelf, and I'm just like, oh. It's like when you, you see somebody like you go from one aisle to another aisle. I've seen it before. Someone's done yeah. the most outrageous thing. They'll put like a banana, like a, just one banana on a shelf where there's loads of DVDs and books. And you're like, why have yeah. you put that there? Like yeah. you think you can get away with it until someone comes and checks All it. Right. Walk into a Primark and somebody puts a yellow jumper on a jeans section. Oh, something like that. that's such a yeah. fuck off thing to do. Yeah. So oh, nice. No, like every time I go to Primark, and it, it just seems like most of their job is the jumble sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, picking up things that people have left on the floor is the usual thing. Like, that is, yeah. Because honestly, every time I go into Primark, most of the stock has fell off the the like the carousel things in the middle and is on the floor. So, um, I mean, I don't like shopping at the best of times. So the idea of an Amazon Go or Amazon Fresh for me is ideal. The only downside is, I think a lot of this is true of all like instant online services that we might start seeing in our lives going forwards. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I, I used to use a lot of subscribe and save on Amazon. And um, I subscribe initially because it's a good price. And then you forget that you've subscribed one that's the first thing but also the next time that you buy the product it's way more expensive mm. like so the subscription so let's say it's four four pound five pence or something on your first subscription you get a, i don't know a 20 pence discount for subscribing so it should be 425 but the next time it bills you automatically it's five pound 25 or <laughs> it's five pound five and you're like yeah hmm. okay it's only an extra pound well, that's an extra pound on every product you buy on a subscription where you might have it once a month. That's a lot. And especially when you consider how many customs they have that you subscribe and save. So it's one of those things where, it, it, especially if you're not on top of your stuff and it just arrives, you just go, oh, good, that's <laughs> arrived. And, you're like, and you don't really care about the price. But actually, it's an easy way for costs to creep up for consumers. Mm. Um, and I think there's, you know, when you look at your, like, your, Amazon, your Amazon Fresh, for example... You know, like certainly I've done, I don't know, maybe I'm just too tight, but I've done it where I've got to a supermarket and I wasn't entirely sure how much something was because it was in the wrong place on the shelf or whatever. And then I've got to the supermarket and I've gone, can you just check how much that is for me, please? And they go, beep. And they go, it's uh, $7.99. Put it back. I'm not having that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. We've all done it where we've yeah. gone through because Amazon's got that technology where, like, if you physically show the item, it puts like dots on the on yeah. the item on your camera yeah. to right, see there how you much go. it is on Amazon. That's it. Yeah. Just like, I want to see how much this costs on Amazon, yeah. and you go, doo, 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 doo. oh, that's apparently available on Amazon for about two pounds cheaper. Right, that's in my basket. Yeah. Paid before you've even left the store on yeah. your phone. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. So you're walking, you know, and you're like, right, I need some HP source. Uh, right. <laughs> is that is that available? And you look at Amazon, and for whatever reason, Amazon is two pound cheaper than Tesco for, on that day. Fuck it. So you know, and you're like, well, I was going to have bacon, a bacon sandwich with brown sauce on, but I can't because I've got to wait a day now for the sauce to arrive. But you know, it saved me two pound. But I'm now just very hungry. So yeah, it's just one of those things. One of the so, things that actually is quite interesting about the the Amazon uh, Fresh and Amazon Go model shop is that now the staff aren't also always putting stuff on the shelves. They're now they're now got people uh, who are creating freshly made food for you to take mm-hmm. away from the store, which has always been a big sticking point with like you know calorie counts on like you know sandwiches and stuff. Uh, I mean, even recently, uh, the big Tesco Metro in town has just completely got away with their old checkout system and moved it over to one side of the shop. And now it's got a whole spread section where you can just pick up what you want, like snacks. There's at least two sides to the snack bit, two sides of the drinks. And then you've got uh, fruit and veg that you need to collect. Like, that's perfect for people who are in the city. Like, I know mm. they've been testing out uh, a, a cheaper version of Tesco called Jack, I think, or Jack's in like other metro stores that haven't done as well so you look at that and then you go and look at amazon and you're just like amazon really seems to understand what the consumer wants on the high street now and that's worrying considering that they're an online e-commerce yeah but it's because let's be clear they've got so much data that's what it whole foods so they've got yeah because they've got whole foods and because they've got amazon fresh i love whole foods stuff online yeah they've got so much data that they can tap into not to mention the fact that they underpin most of the internet with AWS and oh, yes. everything like that. So, you know, it's... Them and it's Google are the top boys. They have, yeah. a, they have a lot of impact on our lives without... It tells you something. It tells you something. Despite the fact of their union workforce that I've just been treated like dog shit. Yeah. So, yeah. There's always that, yeah. that... That bit always gets brushed under the carpet, yeah. But I think that you look at a lot of big companies uh, around, um, around the world and unfortunately, a lot of them treat... Um, you know, they treat workers not as well as we'd like. Very subpar. You know, um, Apple, obviously, you know, Foxconn, they had a lot of problems at that factory for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, probably still are having problems, but nobody really talks about it anymore. Um, you know, we found something else that we need to bang on about. Um, yeah. And it's it's just one of those things where it is really, really sad that, you know, like sometimes, like, you know, people are. I suppose at the end of the day, exploited to work for these large corporations, but they're, they're either exploited or they're let go because the technology has surpassed them. And then it's, it's, it's a situation um, in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where uh, Charlie's dad, um, oh, the toothpaste lid screw. Yeah, he, 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 you see the situation where he be he's getting replaced by a machine, but then at the end of the film, he gets he's he's the one who's actually fixing the machine. So there is. There's two sides to the coin, like in 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 the change of things. Like I can see, oh, we can see te- technology in AI. Obviously, has taken a big jump in the last year. Like you need to look at Teams becoming such a pivotal part of your daily life now. As somebody mm. who works, mm. you know it, it, that's that's already quite different. And like the way that we treat with technology now, like in the last year, like you look at last year, I I there's no there's there's no doubt that the technology companies have had a great year last year. You look at Amazon, they had a the, probably the best year in the, in in their existence, I think, last year because no one could go out and buy things as often. Yeah, I mean, even then the supermarkets they've had a really good last year, I think, as well. Like they probably had a lot of stress compared to um, previous years, but they've made it work. And like they have people coming in and out of their doors still just as regularly as they probably did before, if not better. You know. I think the other thing is as well is that because a lot of retail's been shut over the uh, the last. Um 
the last what's it called the the last um sort of 12 months you know effectively um supermarkets have have picked up the slack between those different That's sectors it. so yeah. they've started selling things that argos they wouldn't normally stores. sell yeah you know argos being in 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 sainsbury's has meant that oh hang on we can do click and collect from here um you know a lot of a lot of shops obviously went to click and collect smaller shops couldn't do that so easily it wasn't they didn't have the infrastructure no. in place to be able to do that as easily the one thing that i do like um, though is that a lot of local shops now are starting to get a lot of love again now the corner shop is becoming a bit more of a, of a better place like, i understand that they do struggle with like you know having a credit card machine or debit card machine it's still a big cost for them but they're now more likely to let you use the card machine i've noticed a lot more recently because they know it's and, better for them currently. Yeah, and um, I've also noticed that quite a lot of small businesses and small shops are starting to do on things like, you might have noticed on things like Just Eat and stuff, you can do like Nissa's and Uber mm. Eats, you can do Nissa Locals and stuff like that. So there's, Asda's on there's there been, as well, that's mad. Yeah, so, and like Sainsbury's do that um, thing now, don't they, where they do one-hour delivery of, of key products, like if you ah. need like milk, bread, whatever, they'll drop it on the way past whilst they're doing... Other deliveries. Other deliveries, that's a good idea um, that's that's that makes it better for the fuel economy then as well it's clever i mean you know i think the thing is a lot of people in this this last year have changed the way that they do things in their lives like, their like for example yeah. we we used to we used to go to sh we used to go shopping on a my wife used to do the shopping on a monday um because she was off work she works part-time so she did the shopping on a monday um so that we'd just do it once a week. It didn't eat into our weekend. Um, it was all done. And then what was interesting was the fact that during the pandemic, we, we were fortunate we could do click and collects. So we'd go and do an Asda click and collect instead. And um, when we did that, it was quite interesting because once we, st once we started doing it, we didn't really want to stop doing it. Mm. And the only reason we've stopped doing it is cost, actually, to be honest. Not the cost of the click and collect. The delivery it's, and stuff. Well, no, not even so much oh, that. Okay. It's just the fact that what I've found is that Asda generally... Um, every, you tend to find Tesco have, have clocked onto it a little bit and they've started realizing, but they're all starting to go after like the Aldi and the Lidl pricing structure in the UK. Yeah, because they're realizing it's been going that, that way you know, for the last four years. Yeah, they're realizing that you know Aldi and Lidl. You know, if we do a, a big weekly shop and we spend I don't know, say eighty, ninety quid at ASDA, mm. it would be seventy or sixty-five pound at Aldi. Now. The other thing is, is that years ago it was because you didn't get branded products in these supermarkets. Now, they are using branded products, so mm. it shows you that they're taking a tiny little profit margin off everything. Whereas the ASDA and the Tesco's are taking bigger profit margins. Um, but consumers are starting to get wise to it now. I think that's one thing that might revert back over the course of the next six months. People that have been shopping at ASDA, Tesco, Sainsbury's, and getting home deliveries we'll may back revert to, back to their Aldi. Aldi's, Lidl's, whatever. Honestly, so for me, for me I, I, I'd happily go back to quite a lot of the stuff that we get from Aldi. We still technically still we still do actually go to Aldi more than we do mm. go to ASDA. But for me, I think the, there are certain things that I will still buy from the brands because they just have a better... They, they do better in taste, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, like, you, your chocolate digestive, I can't yeah. stomach one from Aldi because they're just so boring. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, how, because obviously th those companies. I mean, if we think, of, if we bring it back to the tech, they've invested mm. significant money now over the last year in Aldi. scaling up their yeah. scaling up their product deliveries. So you know, making sure they've got enough of everything they need. Their online presence has been scaled. Their infrastructure for cars, vans, transport, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's mad. Like it's, it is mad. And it'd be interesting to see because obviously that investment was a lot for a lot of these companies. It was massive investment. 
it'd be interesting to see how long that has to sustain or whether it whether it mm. peters off again they start a year on, a year on from toilet paper shortages eh? yeah which was all caused by people just buying more than they needed but, and have yeah. you know have you noticed that the, the just as a, i think a good place to end actually like as, as a, a really nice kind of point in a lot of this stuff that's happened in the last year and if we're talking you know as a, as a overarching theme is that pe- there is a lot less people now going out and doing uh doing massive buys now people are actually going out and doing getting what they need only and not anything more than that they need and if they need those extra things they buy them online it's, yeah, I mean, definitely, and I, I think uh, my own personal experience. And I don't know what your you guys have experienced this year. Um, my own personal experience is that generally, like my community, so my street and my neighbours, we speak more, we yes. talk to each other, we support each other. Like I've got um, a neighbour next door to me who's uh, uh, well, both my neighbours actually. The the neighbours that are joined to my house, they're in their late sixties and. The neighbour, the other side of me, is roughly the same age, so they're all retired. Um, but you know, one of them, uh, the next door neighbour, was shielding early on, so ah, okay. uh, we just made sure that we helped her with anything she needed. The next yeah, door neighbour, yeah. uh, on her own, uh, next door to us on the other side, um, she, you know, she was on her own, so it was a case of like on Sundays we'd we'd pass a Sunday dinner over the fence. And, oh, that's nice. You know, that sort of stuff, you know. So I think it's brought communities closer together in ways that we perhaps didn't expect. Um, and it means that the I, government don't always win when it comes to asking you to to like to spot uh, to basically uh, tell on your neighbours. That's yeah. that, that was never going to happen, was it? Yeah, and I think it's it's just to me. I think what it's proved in a lot of the cases this year. I know there's been some real shit times, and uh, you know it's been not that great. And the, maybe the government's made some terrible decisions. You know that's mm. a whole other debate. But, but a good conclusion, really. But a good conclusion is that actually people are good to each other generally. And we've um, proven it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Honestly, so, probably went longer than we were expecting to, but we, we definitely had a good bash today, having a good chat with you, John. I really appreciate We We both really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me on. I'll say it's, it's de- you, you've definitely had a long wait to get back onto some sort of podcasting, so I'm sure that you've really enjoyed <laughs> having a good long ching wag with us. Uh, uh, would you That's agree, Owen? Definitely, yeah. Uh, no, it's like it's been good, like, and hopefully we'll have a bit more, you know, as things open up, that we can have, you know, more and more stuff to talk about, and then we can even share things that we've been doing, etc. Because obviously the past couple of months is quite limiting, so yeah, hopefully that will spark more conversations. Like, not saying that this hasn't, but it's definitely, oh, yeah. you know, on a progressive side of things. So for it's sure. leading in the direction that we want to have this podcast go, really, because like, it's obviously I run. I wouldn't call it a competing podcast because it's really not in the same sort of field. But, you know, like the the way that we we set our podcast is very like sort of society and cultural talk, like that yeah. kind of leans into movies and TV shows quite regularly. But then also we like the fact of having someone that's very creative in what we're talking about all the time. Join us like you, John, or we've had um, like your friend up, um, uh, up in Canada, right? Yeah, Mindy. Yeah, that's Mindy. right. Yeah. I mean, that was like the first over- overseas person that I'd ever had, like, you know, a, a long form chat with on the podcast. So that was fantastic. Mm. And then completely down the road, sometime down the road, we switched the role. And then when you come on the Get the Shot podcast and talk to us about your experience about, you know, in, in your field. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting to be a guest rather than the host and switch around of things. So, it's yeah, very, it's very Definitely. different. It is for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome, no, yeah. No, it was a pleasure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I'll say, if you want to check out John, where can they find you, guys? Uh, where can they find, find you, mate? 
<laughs> so best place to find me is on probably Instagram. So at J-R-E Willis. Uh, and if you're on YouTube, just search John Willis as well. You'll probably find that find me on that way as well. Uh, but yeah, really, really good fun. And uh, good luck in the future, guys. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we guys have been uh, Josh, uh, Josh Deacon at Mr. Josh Deacon. And your co-host Owen Burkett at Owen.Burkett. And until next time, whether it's a week away or two weeks away, we'll see you very soon. And I'm sure we'll probably talk a bit more about uh, WandaVision and the next upcoming show from Marvel in the next episode when, when we're not spoiling it for John. <laughs> yeah, and then two weeks time, uh, I'll have a very special episode on a particular film. So be, look, be sure to look out for that. Yes. But until next time, take care and don't forget to wear a mask still because that's still important and just stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Take care. Cheers. Bye.